are not ready for prime time. Prime time. Prime time. Prime time. That's the name. Prime time. Prime time. What time is it? Showtime. Prime time. It's XL Prime Time, featuring Joe C. Why in the world am I sitting back and being quiet about this? Matt Hayes. Suck it up, Buttercup. Mia O'Brien. My nose just decided to start bleeding. And Leon Searcy. Now you're yeah. just talking Tom Fuller. Yeah. yeah. How you like me now? How you like me now? You can hear the roar of the motorcycles going down I-95 wherever you are in the great Northeast Florida area. Hello everyone, XL Primetime live from Adamac Harley-Davidson in St. Augustine, right across from the St. Augustine outlets. Mia O'Brien, Matt Hazley on Cersei, Joe Coward on PGA Tour duties today. JJ LaSelva back at 1010XL World Headquarters. It is a big hair heavy metal Friday and what better way to ring it in boys than with the wonderful folks here at the Adamac Harley-Davidson. They've got Everything you need for Bike Week. They've got special Bike Week pricing if you are interested in purchasing a vehicle or even if you just want to give one a spin. They've got some test drive opportunities for you this weekend. Bike Week, of course, runs through the 12th. So swing on down. Again, we are off I-95 right across from St. Augustine Outlets, and you can give one of these beautiful vehicles a drive. And we got plenty of bikers who are just swinging by for the festivities because it is a festival of sorts, boys, because we've got food trucks. We're going to have live music that we'll tell you about all throughout the show. And, of course, plenty of big boy toys if you want to purchase them. Of course, the big boys also on display in Indianapolis at the NFL Scout and Combine, the defensive linemen and linebackers taking center stage last night in Indianapolis before we get to the heavy hitters and the storyline, what seemingly feels like the storyline the rest of the weekend in the NFL Combine, Leon. You told us you were going to go home, you're going to turn that AC down, you're going to watch some NFL Combine. What'd you see out there on day one of the on-field workouts? Well, I mean, I, listen, because I was a participant of it, I always like to go back and see how these, these kids go out and perform, especially in those drills and everything. And I was impressed. I was impressed by a lot of guys, you know, because it's a lot of pressure. Because a lot of guys put a lot of the, the comp- – you're competing with yourself, but you're also competing with the guys who are out there uh, having to run the 40, having to do some of the, 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 the different directions and drills and all that kind of stuff. So I was very – I was impressed with what's uh, the, the linebacker from Georgia. Nolan Smith. He no made him, Smith. He made himself some money. He ran a four four forty. He was. Uh, he seems two hundred fifty pounds. Two hundred fifty pounds. Elusive. He did the drills. I mean, his back and forth, his movements, his momentum, his back pedal. They had a drill where you do a back pedal, a shuffle, a back pedal, catch the football and run. I had never seen that before, but I guess it utilizes if you're in coverage, you're a linebacker, or you're stand-up defensively in, you're in zone, you got like a zone blitz and you drop, you backpedal and you're in coverage. I, I was very impressed with that drill. I was watching the D linemen. They had the little four little bags set up where they would come off the ball. Another thing that I liked they would do, they made every guy run to the drill. Every guy run to the drill and finish the drill, hand over, rip, club, sprint. So, I mean, those are the kind of drills. Because usually when I'm watching the combine, I'm watching the offensive line. They, you know, they're, they're the stars Which of they'll the show. take place on Sunday. Takes, yeah, I usually just watch the offensive line because they're the real stars of the show. But this is the first time I really Clearly. watched the linebackers and the defensive line. So, I was impressed by, you know, because, you know, my narrative has been that I really didn't like the combine. Right. I always say your play is your resume. And I just felt the combine was set up with a bunch of drills where guys test. And then they make an, ass, uh, an assessment of where he's going to be drafted because of it. I might have to change it a little bit. I, I want. I might. I, I saw some things in there that that translate over to the next level. 
you know, to the NFL level. Uh, really? I really did. I, I was very impressed with what I saw yesterday. So, so. I mean, how, how could you not be impressed with Nolan Smith, who finished in the 99th percentile of all, yes. of, of all the of defensive ends in the history of the, of the combine? He finished mm-hmm. in the 99th percentile of every single test they put him through. 99. He's 250 pounds. He's 6'4". He ran a 4-4-40. He never really became – he was the number one overall recruit when he came out of high school. He never really developed into this elite pass rusher, elite guy. He always that was a guy. sounds like Trayvon Walker to me. That's what I'm saying. I'm mm. getting to that point. He was always a guy who you were like, boy, this is going to be the year he breaks out. Or when you see him, and again, mm-hmm. you're like, man, he is a dude. You see a player or two, and you're like, whoa, this, dude's good. this dude can play. He never really had that Will Anderson type year. He never really had that season where he, you know, he had 10 or 11 sacks. He might have had it last year and that got hurt. Who knows? But he never had that type of breakout year. He was always just a guy, when you saw him, you're like, yeah, that dude could play. Now he goes to the combine and look at him. So, so thinking of that, I start thinking, of all of Kirby's players since he's been at Georgia, who's his best player to come out of, to, to, to come out of the draft and play in the NFL? And I start thinking, Nick Chubb, right? Yeah. Got a couple offensive linemen, a couple blown offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. And you start to think, all right, Tyson Campbell. Tyson Campbell's got to be behind that list. I'm telling you right now. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. He's got to be behind that list. But let me ask you this question. When it comes to Nolan Smith, how is he any different from Anthony Richardson? All right? A guy with all these freakish abilities, a guy that's going to go out to the combine and test well, go on the board and test well, and then everybody's going to fall in love with him, but his productivity during the season was eh, okay. How is he? I don't think he's much different at all other than – No, but see, Uh, I can answer that, Leon. The answer to that is – Nolan Smith played in 11 games his freshman year. And then he played in seven games during the 2020 season, which obviously was shortened due due to the COVID Mm -hmm. pandemic. He played in 12 games in 2021, and he only played in eight games this year because he suffered. It was a pectoral muscle, correct, that then sidelined him. Right, well, everybody played – all the SEC teams played 10 or 11 games in the the COVID year, so he missed four games that year. So he's he's also only had – he's really only had one full season. And even that wasn't a full season. He only played 12 games two years ago. Yeah. So so he's that's another issue when you start talking about him is you know his availability. So but but I mean a guy that does that. Yeah. A guy that's on the but, uh, in the yeah. combine and does that. How yeah. do you not say okay, if we can keep this guy healthy and available, we got something here. So, yeah. That, uh, you you got to take him in. The, you got to take him high, or take him top 15, top 20, something like, like that. Give us some career stats. Like yeah. Let's some, see. Yeah. Here's the, here are the here are the career stats. If uh, if you're just tuning in to XL Primetime, we are live at the Adam at Carly Davidson. In a windy St. Augustine, which do you want to segue? Uh, Nolan Smith from the Savannah area, obviously yeah. went to the University of Georgia. His girlfriend is from the St. Augustine area. Wow. So oh, look at it. Yeah. That's where we are, and that is why you are hearing the wind whipping behind us. Shout out to engineer extraordinaire well, Richie for trying to keep well, everything uh, I'm gonna tell you on this. the straight and narrow. I'm feeling some kind of way because I got a harness that's strapped to the tent onto my chair like I'm the bed rocker keeping this thing I hope you from are floating away. This, this thing's about ready to go. And when you leave for lunch at 1.30, uh, we are SOL, Leon. <laughs> Here are some career stats for Nolan Smith. Two and a half sacks, two and a half tackles for loss his freshman year, two and a half, two and a half that sophomore COVID season, and then eight tackles for loss, four and a half sacks in 12 games his junior year, and then seven sacks and th- – or excuse me, seven tackles for loss, three sacks his Before final season. Hurt, yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, that see, that's underwhelming. It is. I mean, it it, is. even, even, like even Trayvon Walker, even last year when we took him number one overall, his stats were underwhelming. Now, he was on a championship team that won a national championship, and here is Nolan Smith, underwhelming championship, back-to-back championship season. 
you know, but he goes to the combine and lights it up. And he's going to be the buzz. He's going to be the talk. Outside of Anthony Richardson right now, Nolan Smith right now is the buzz at the combine where he just freakish talent and ability. And somebody, like, like Joe likes to say, combine eyes is going to fall in love with him come April, and he's going to probably be a top 20. So, so I will say this. We're talking about what, what other uh, Kirby Smart players. You know, N'Kobe Dean was the guy that was the stud player for two years there. Right? Number two overall recruit behind Nolan Smith in that 2019 class. So a guy that really didn't get much fanfare even during the season. But suddenly at the combine, once he went and ran, everybody was like, whoa. Quay Walker. Quay Walker might be the best of all those guys right now in the NFL. He's going to be really, really good. So, I mean, you, you, can you compare Nolan Smith then to Quay Walker? Yeah, absolutely. Same type of player. Mm-hmm. Same type of body. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I can see him doing that, definitely. But it's got to happen. You've got to see him out there doing it because what we've seen in college, he was just part of a loaded defense that had guys everywhere. And maybe that's one of the reasons why his numbers weren't so good, because they just kept rotating guys in that front in that front seven. Off the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. We see you Georgia Bulldog fans. There's a lot of you sounding off at 641-1010 right now. Keep it coming on a Big Hair Heavy Metal Friday. You can also hit us with your song suggestions, too, that J.J. will play throughout the course of today's program. This one courtesy of 9201, who says, Oh, man, really? I guess you didn't watch the Georgia-Florida game last year, before the year before last, while amazing. I can't wait till next year when Trayvon is a whole year older and Nolan starts right off the bat dominating. You know, another guy you guys never met who is dominating is Quay Walker for the Green Bay Packers. Look him up. Keep coming with the crap and keep watching us click off national champions. Well, didn't, didn't I actually say that every once in a while in a game you'll see Nolan Smith and you'll go, wow, that's dude. Yeah, yeah. What, what the hell is he talking it's about? It's sensitive, Georgia, in that sense. Just – I mean, enjoy your championships. Right, football. enjoy your championships and get yeah. your program back in exactly. order and everything will be fine. He was, I will say, he was stellar in that Georgia-Florida game two years ago. Uh, Nolan Smith finishing with a half tackle for loss, four tackles, an interception, a fumble forced, and a fumble recovery. So he stuffed the stat sheet in that one game. And he did – listen, Nolan Smith is one of the most likable guys that I have interviewed in college football. We got mm. the chance to speak with him at SEC Media Days. He actually went through the high school recruiting process with Stetson Bennett. They've been good friends since they were in high school, so I've gotten to know Nolan a little bit through that as well, through working with Stetson and his camp and his family. Let me tell you, like, you couldn't ask for a more A-plus guy to have in your locker room. And we know that Trent Baalke is in the business of finding Boy Scouts and good dudes to put in that locker room and building the culture. But as Matt said after you left for the day yesterday, Leon, the fact of the matter is, is Nolan Smith is Devin Lloyd meets Caleb on Chase on. You already have those two guys on your roster. And moreover, the fact of the matter is, is one of them is gone after this year. And the Sam linebacker position is only on the field 35% of the time with how much the Jaguars are looking to play diamond nickel. So... What would be the point in taking a guy like him, aside from trying to make him a designated pass rusher, if you really are going to stick to an odd front? Yeah, it wouldn't make any real sense unless, you, like you said, unless you move into a pass rusher. If you got six four two fifty, he runs a four four forty. He could be a nightmare for offensive linemen. Absolute nightmare. Well, well he's not going to be. But there see, 24, but, that, but here's the thing, huh? He's not going to be there twenty four. No, he's so not going to worry about. You have to worry about. <laughs> but see, I mean, that was the same thing we thought about Chase on. Now, it's LSU and Georgia, which is clear. There's clear distinction between the two. But Chase, when I saw him at LSU, he was lights out. I mean, I'm not sure if he ran a 4-4. Last four games of the season, he was lights out. Oh, yeah. He, 2019. Yeah, in 2019, he was right. lights out. Like, last four games of the season, especially going into the championship where they won. 
But outside first of, eleven games, he was. Mm, see, that should be that should be right. a, a red flag right there. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, no, and I'm Nolan the same way. I mean, but people, the, the excuse is that he was on such a good defense that he got lost. Yeah, I don't buy it. But I don't buy that why, either. Why did, Absolutely why did Nicobe, Nicobe, Dean not, Nicobe Dean not get lost? Exactly. Then? That's what I'm saying. I, I, you know, that, that, was a, that was a knock on Trayvon. Trayvon, the knock on Trayvon is that they rotated so many defense ends. And, you want, and I'm not saying, listen, Trayvon was a rookie. I mean, he's going to grow into his own. I think he's going to be fit better if they move him inside. If he goes at a three and a four, and he has to go up against guards rather than tackles, he has a tendency to play straight up and down. If you play straight up and down in the NFL, you're gonna get hands on you. So I'm just, I'm just saying. So the difference between you and me is you think, I hope. Okay. All right. Well. And I, I know, hope. and believe, I'm the first guy to say hope is not a plan. It, it's not a plan. Hope is not a plan. It's man. not. It's Some not, other numbers right. from Nolan Smith's impressive day at the NFL Combine: the second fastest forty by a defensive lineman at the Combine since 2003. Uh, with a 4-3-9 40-yard dash. Amari Barno of Virginia Tech last year ran a 4-3-6. For what it's worth, boys, Byron Young of Tennessee ran a 4-4-3. That is the fourth fastest 40-yard wow. dash by a defensive lineman at the Combine since 2003. So two of the top four were run yesterday in Indianapolis. Uh, the third, Montez Sweat, Mississippi State, not too shabby of an NFL career with a 4-4-1. You know what's crazy is that, I mean, listen, um, at this day and age, I think in my whole career, my 11-year career that I played in the NFL, I might have gone up against one guy who ran like was freaking with the freak, right? Javon Curtis. You're talking about six four two seventy running the four three forty. You got all these freaking talent, this freakish talent now as far as the defense. It could, right. I, could, I can only imagine having to go up against these guys. I mean, six five, six four, two fifty, two sixty, running four fours, four threes. Damn. It was. I wish he would have stayed healthy this year because this was his year to play off the edge for the majority of the time. Like, they moved those guys all around everywhere. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't a specific edge guy until this year. He was going to be that this year. Mm-hmm. So it would have been fun to see him play a full 15-game season where he's out on the edge 80% of the time when he's on the field. That would have been fun to see. Then you could, then you could tell, all right, well, he's 6'4", 250 right now. You know, add another 10, 15 pounds to him, and he might be a guy that could play out there in a – in an odd front. One other note from Nolan Smith's day. Uh, the heaviest player, one of three that weighed 215 pounds plus with a 40-plus inch vertical and a sub-4440 at the Combine since 2003. The other two players to do that were DK Metcalf, obviously a wide receiver who weighed at 228 pounds, and running back Brees Hall of the New York Jets and Iowa State who weighed 217 pounds. Yo. Nolan Smith, again, weighed in at 238. He had a higher vertical, and he Metcalf had a faster 40, but he had the same exact 40-yard dash as a running back in Brees Hall, who, oh, he weighed who, was, two- on, who was on his way to winning – AFC Rookie of the Year before he tore his ACL. He went at 238. He's yeah. not playing. He's not playing that edge. No, he can't play that. No, he can't uh-huh. play that edge. Not no. happening. He's got either. He's going to be outside. He swallowed. What about a rover? Play rover. Yeah, yeah. Play yeah. rover, but more than likely he's going to play the will of the sound. Yeah. Somebody's defense, four three defense, whatever. So I mentioned Byron Young as well out of Tennessee. He was another guy that really took center stage at the combine last night. Uh, he's Some other more names. of an edge. Yeah. He's more of an edge. He's a guy that may be perhaps a little bit more bulky built. The other name that really got people talking, and it's obvious because of the Aaron Donald to pit ties, and that is one, Kalije. Can't see. I pronounced that correctly, mm-hmm. right? We're, we're working on pronunciations all week in case you're uh, listening to XL Primetime for the first time this week. Kalije can't see, Matt. 6'1", 281. So he's quote-unquote undersized at the defensive tackle position. He ran a 4.73 40-yard dash, the fastest of any defensive tackle, and then a 30 and 5 eighths 
arm length for the defensive tackle, the number 30 overall prospect in Daniel Jeremiah's big board. The thing with him is, like, it's obvious that you're going to tie it to Aaron Donald, who's also undersized. But is Aaron Donald the anomaly, or is Pitt just a factory for these undersized guys who play in the interior but can also rack up sacks? I mean, I, well, first off, Aaron Donald is the anomaly. But I, I think it's also what, what, you know, look, Narduzzi does this. He, 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 he's a lot like, like Jimmy Johnson used to do. Mm-hmm. He would just take fast guys and put them. He'd, like, move safety to linebackers, linebackers to D-line because he wants fast guys on there. Um, and he, that kid's grown since he's been a pit too. So I, I mean, he, that 280 is pretty light to play in the league if you're playing on the interior. That's and I mean, well, unless, I mean, unless you're in an odd, you're playing like the, like the three or the five, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, oh yeah, you're not playing the one. You're no. gonna play. Yeah, you're gonna play a, a three, four, or five in, in in the league if you're that yeah. light. Yeah. But Aaron Donald was what two eight, what two eighty five? Yeah. Six one, two eighty five. That was a knucklehead when he came out of college. Uh, he was too undersized to play interiorly. But he can flip those hips, and he can, he can grab, he can tug, he can flip those hips, he can turn the corner, and he's strong as a bull. I don't know what this guy was when he was at Pitt, but I do remember Aaron Donald when he was at Pitt. He was a bulldog. Now, was this guy a bulldog when he was at, oh, at Pitt? Yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. well, they, I mean, they, he's got a chance. He's got a chance. If you're a bulldog and you've got good length, you can switch and flip those hips and get around offensive linemen and get their hands off them and, and beat them on uh, four techniques, three techniques, and head up. Yeah, you got a shot in this league, absolutely. Plus, if you're, if you're, you know, if you're like six one, like Donald, mm-hmm. you can you can kind of get skinny too, can't you? Yeah, you can get skinny. Yeah, and more than likely, mass majority of the offensive linemen that play interiorly now because they're fundamentally not sound, they play upright. Right. And so if you're six one against six five, against six five, you get right. underneath them real quick. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Our good friend Dell on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures said a lot, says that a lot of draft analysts are saying that Kansi has the best pass rush moves of anyone in the class. And so the combination of the 40-yard dash he ran yesterday, which for what it's worth, listen, it's impressive. I cannot run. It's impressive I cannot run a 40-yard dash in four seconds, 73 milliseconds. I love the ending of it, though, the last 10 yards. You see, like, like I said, he kind of looked like a – like a, a mom running through the Nordstrom looking for the sales or the shoes or shoe rack. The arms are wagging. The arms are wagging. The tushy was sw- was swagging. I was like, he's kind of looking like a lady running through a Nordstrom yeah. right now. Well, you know, hey, listen, you, you know it, it gets tough for you because initially when you're running, but when you start pulling that head back, oh, yeah, that's what it is. Which they all do like the last 10 yards, The last 10 yards. That, that monkey get on your back, that's all. That's, that's all the money it is is the monkey getting on your back. Well, so so Dell notes the pass rush moves, and that's certainly something, and I'll be curious to see where Cansey goes. But, Leon, you actually sent out a tweet from your Twitter account yeah. yesterday. So you want me to read that? And yeah. And maybe I, we can see what people are thinking? I was discouraged a little bit, but you can go ahead. Go ahead. So 31 it. years ago, Leon was 6'3", and a half offensive lineman, or an off, half of an offensive line. No, well, I was six three and a half. Oh, off, six three and a half. Okay, line, six three and a half offensive lineman yeah. with a 40 yard dash, nine point two broad jump, twenty eight inch vertical, mm-hmm. twenty seven reps on the bench press. What round would you draft Leon today, Matt? Well, what did I respond to you with? You said that your play is your resume. Your tape is your resume. And, is and, 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 and yeah, and I, I came off on that. First of all, first I had the pedigree. All right, Miami was the pedigree. You had the tape day. too. And I had the tape, and I come off a national championship. So you got to put those things in perspective. So I had people in there, and I wanted to see where would you draft me today, if I was you know in the draft. But honestly, if it was, I yeah. mean, what mid rounds? I, I, I would have been a mid round draft. Yeah. Okay, right. so you're saying mid rounds? So yeah, let, I would let, say mid. Let's put uh, four to six. 
And it actually, the two to se the second to third round. Actually, no, some no. The first round is now winning with thirty five percent. I think that's because you did go in the first round. I did go in the first round. And as Matt was stumping for you, your mm -hmm. your tape is your resume. Second third round is uh, in the second place slot currently with thirty two point nine percent. I want to know. The, I want to know the seventeen percent to say I was undrafted. To, to be Ooh. fair to you though, bro, five one two in the forty was fast back then. It, it was. It was. But I I ran it at the combine the first. And I, when I, as soon as you run it, they let you. It wasn't electronic like it is now. Okay. All right. So when you run it, the first thing you do is you go by the coach and say, "Hey, listen, where did I run?" You go by one of the NFL coaches and say, "Hey, where did I run?" And say, "Well, I had you at uh, five one two. And then another coach would say, "Well, I had you at five point zero eight. So it, it's not. It wasn't electronic. I'll take that one. Yeah, exactly. I take that <laughs> one. But I was still. I, was, I, I would. My intentions in the combine was to go in and run a full nine. Right. I ran it at my pro day. You got some nice replies, though. You got yeah, some nice no, replies. Yeah, I know, but the people that said I would have been undrafted free agent, that's ludicrous. That Even you, in this day and age, that cut you to the I, white cut me to the white man. people. <laughs> the fans, y'all hard on me. Y'all hard on me. Hard uh, on Max, me. Max responded to you, uh, this is why I'm an armchair GM. The tape would have spoken volumes. But straight off the combine, I would have looked like a genius getting you in the late round. Sorry, Big Sirs, all love. Kids these days are just athletic and ain't that the truth? That the is the truth. Now they are. <laughs> the NFL Combine rolls on today. The DBs are the ones who are taking part in on-field workouts. The quarterbacks, though, they are meeting with the media this morning. I've already seen some interesting tidbits about Setson Bennett and what he had to say about not participating in the Senior Bowl and instead uh, getting a public intoxication the same weekend in Dallas, Texas. We've also seen Anthony Richardson hype. Oh, baby, is it coming? It is coming, and it is coming fast. We'll dive into that and a whole lot more on a Friday edition of XL Primetime coming at you live from the Adam at Harley-Davidson in St. Augustine right across from the outlets, exit 318 off I-95. Again, Bike Week kicks off today. It runs through the 12th, but this weekend only they are going to have the Harley-Davidson Davidson demo truck on location. You'll be able to test ride the latest models. Heavy Metal Friday on XL Primetime. A little poison on a big hair Heavy Metal Friday since it is also the first day of Bike Week down here at the Adamac Harley-Davidson in St. Augustine. You can come check them out all month long, every day. You can come check out the Adamac Harley-Davidson, but especially during Bike Week as they will have special Bike Week financing. And, of course, they do have the demo trucks that you can test drive this weekend only. They also have really cool, and Matt even joked that maybe we uh, – should have been set up there under our tent uh, on the live stage that they're going to have musical performances, food, drinks, vendors all weekend long. And, of course, for more information, you can check out Bike Week at uh, – excuse me. For more information on Bike Week events, you can visit adamacharley.com. But it is a Big Hair Heavy Metal Friday. So also, as we're keeping with the spirit, make sure you hit the text line, Design My Lifetime Enclosure, 641-1010 with your Big Hair Heavy Metal Friday song request. Joe C. is on PGA Tour duty, but he wants us to try to keep with the bike theme, boys. And so Poison, you know, there's a little bit of a, a bike theme. Right, Matt? Kind of? With yeah, it? yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. so, so if, if, you're, if you have a well, Big Hair Heavy Metal Friday song with a bike reference we will gladly take it well this is one thing i didn't know about uh mr matt hayes that oh. you actually used to 
ride a bike. No, no, oh, you I took, le- I, I took, you took lessons. lessons to ride. I took a bike. lessons, yeah. It's yeah. To ride yeah. a motorcycle, motorcycle. Not a bicycle. I got my license. I got my got motorcycle your, license. You have a yeah. license to ride yeah, a bike. I do. I think you should purchase one today. I've thought I've thought about it many times, believe really? Yeah. More importantly, I'm thinking before we send Leon off at 1:30, maybe we got to go inside and find some of the uh, apparel. Maybe the three of us got to try on some of the apparel. Get and you a leather cut. If uh, a leather who? A leather cut. Yeah. What, what's that? I don't know what that is. You could say Sons of, Jan- of Jaguars. Sons that? of Jaguars. Yeah. Ooh, I like oh, that, actually. Okay. It sounds right. pretty cool. You know, like it's a leather, but it's like a vest. Oh, it's a vest it's now. A, a vest is cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Do you wear anything they under the vest, cuts, or is bro. it just straight vest? <laughs> huh? What's that? Yeah, you wear, you wear like a long sleeve shirt. A long sleeve shirt? Shorts, you don't, you don't yeah, just yeah. go like bare? No, bare. no, 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 yeah. no, no. Okay. Well, first of all, neither of us has been in the gym longer than right. we go bare chest. Right, right, right. <laughs> but the point, point being, it's a... They don't call it a vest. They call it a cut. A cut. Yeah. Okay, I did not know that. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, you can check out cuts. You can check out bikes. And, of course, you can check out all the fun they have going on here. Adam McHarley on, uh, off of I-95 by the St. Augustine Outlets. We will be here till 3 o'clock, so be sure to stop on by and say hi. And there are those big hair heavy metal Friday song requests coming on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosure, 641 JJ back at 1010XL World Headquarters, and he will play those song suggestions yeah, throughout the course. Yeah, we could literally course. just play – Molly, Molly Crew the entire time. Yeah, and yeah. that would be that would suffice. That would suffice. That would suffice. Uh, speaking of DJ JJ, I'm going to be sending you JJ a clip that I actually texted to you guys this morning, but I want to make sure we get the audio in today's show as we pivot back to the NFL Combine, but to the quarterbacks who are meeting with media members right now. Uh, Anthony Richardson, Matt, obviously was the storyline coming in to the week, uh, especially at the quarterback position, although I did see some folks on NFL Network this morning also discussing Will Levis. Bryce Young's height aside – Anthony Richardson is the most fascinating storyline with the quarterbacks this morning. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think there's any question he is. I, th- I think he's always been. I, I, don't, I mean, you, you can talk about whether it's, you know, Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, and that's, you know, that'll play out. But the way this kid is performing at the combine, and I hate to say this, but our boy, the quarterback whisperer, Danny Thompson, told us last week, he said, I'm telling you, he's going to get there and he's going to crush it. He will crush everything. That's what he told us. He's, not, he's doing everything. He's not sitting out on anything. So he's lifting, he's running, he's doing all the drills, he's doing the whiteboard stuff, he's doing the interviews, and of course he's throwing. So if he continues to crush it like he has initially, um, it's 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 going to he's going to jump quickly. And there there might even be one guy that thinks, you know what, let's just we can't pass up on this. We'll take him one overall. Could that happen? Yes. Well, absolutely. if all this happens, absolutely it could. If all if all and probably will happen, Anthony. I'm not saying probably happen. will. I'm saying could it? Could it happen? Could one yeah. team say, "Yeah, I think he's our guy, and I think we can't pass him up. We got to go get him." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it could happen. Sure. Okay. Yeah. This so, will this will be an indictment on Florida if he goes and just lights the NFL up. It certainly would. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Certainly would. Because uh, that's the thing is is it is it an indictment? On Florida, or is it our boy Denny's been doing some work? But the thing well, is, yeah, Denny. Denny's yeah. been working with Anthony since he was 14 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to minimize Denny because I think Denny does is really good at what he does. Denny's not completely changing someone. And let's see how long has he had him now, specifically day after day for what two months? Yeah, it's not happening. Denny works with him all the time, but when he's at school, Denny's not working with him because it's just not. He's working with the staff, right. so. I love Denny. Denny does great work. Denny's not doing all of this in two months. This is something that's been there. And this is also something that Denny has said to us, that, look, this is who he is. He is who he is. It's not like he's completely changed. This is who he is. So if he goes there and continues to crush it and continues to do what – so Matt Miller of ESPN, a uh, friend of the show, was on yesterday on ESPN, and he said 
that ever, that there were JJ four. actually has that audio. Yeah, let's hear it. Let's hear it. This is perfect. Play, JJ. Things that Napier told me this week, though, Matt, is how intelligent Richardson is. I'm not sure that that actually gets as much credit as it should, but teams are noticing here, right? Teams are noticing, and it might matter more than how fast he is or how strong his arm is. I talked to a handful of scouts last night who had been in interviews where they had all four of the top quarterbacks back-to-back-to-back. Every single one of them said Anthony Richardson is the best quarterback interview they've had this year. Some of them say it's the best quarterback interview they would have had last year. Really? He is crushing it in the interview portion. What happens behind us on the field is important. It's fun. That's why we're here. But the interviews are why the players are here, and he's crushing it. So if you can win the combine as a quarterback, you do it in these meetings, 15-minute speed dating yeah. that they do, and he's crushing it. So here's the thing, and Leon, you can speak to this too. Guys crush the combine all the time. The most famous one, of course, is Matt Mamula, the defensive end from Boston College, who was the guy that everybody thought was going to be this monster in the NFL and was a complete bust. Mm -hmm. So it happens all the time. He could, Anthony Richardson could crush everything. He could even crush the whiteboard where he's going to go up there and, the, and, and scouts and personnel will draw a plate and say, what do you do here? What do you do with the protection here? What do you do with the backside safety does this? And he could crush all of that, all of it. At the end of the day, the tape says 4th and 12, your receiver's wide open, he threw it 15 feet over his head. So at some point, he's going to have to answer for that too. He's yeah. going to have to answer for what happened on the field when they needed throws, when you needed to make plays, why did you complete 55% of your passes. But that being said, if he's just crushing, 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 there will be NFL personnel people who think, what did they do with him at Florida? How did they t not take this guy and develop him more? That's going to be the next question. Again, I said this well, last week, earlier this week, is if he does crush it, you're now going to start to see people start to question what's going on in Florida. How could they not have developed this kid? He has this kind of talent. How is he completing 55% of his passes? Well, I think that I th for me, I think the most important thing and the most impressive thing for me when it comes to Anthony Richardson was this notion, this narrative that he couldn't fit in anybody's offense and flourish. Now, if he's crushing the whiteboard, I mean, he understands the concepts. Yeah, of, he understands the passing concepts. Because yeah. the, the narrative was that you, Anthony Richardson, you had to build a team, build it around him on, and, and base it upon his strengths and, and not his weaknesses. But the fact that he could fit in, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me a lot of Lamar Jackson when he came out. Lamar Jackson, who played at Louisville, who played at in a, a high pro, level, at a high level, in a won pro, the Heisman, in a pro-style offense with Bobby Petrino. Yeah, with Bobby Petrino. Yeah. The narrative for him was when he becomes pro, as one lunatic GM or former GM who said he should move to wide receiver, which is utterly ridiculous to me. It was more than one. Yeah, it was a couple of them that said right. that kind of stuff. Holy but but I remember, I remember Whoops. them saying that that if if he went to the NFL. He couldn't go and fit in any anyone's that system polling, yeah. that you have to book. Yeah, put, but that Anthony Richardson, the fact that he's crushing this narrative, that he can fit in any offense, you don't have to build it around him, is even more impressive to me than the fact that he's killing the white boy. And every, and every that's other the term. thing that's impressing me. Yes. And, I don't, and again, he's, but like he's, said, a, he's still got he's an answer. He's still got an answer to those bad decisions that he made right. while he was playing. Right. Your play is your resume. The fact that, like what Matt Miller said, that, He's not only done it better than anybody at the Combine this year, which is you're talking about Stroud, Bryce Young, guys that are legit guys that have put up legit tape in college football. He's doing it despite his tape, which is like ultimately that's what they all go back to. They all go we back, were just home. Talking about they all go back home to mama. They all go back home to mama. It's always about, all right, at the end of the day, 
Well, what does he do on the field? And, and I'm not gonna shoot. I'm not gonna shoot the fact that he that that part down. But we had a narrative when I played is is playbook and play game. All right, it's a lot of guys that understand the playbook and all the concepts of what the playbook is. Right. But they can't play game, and there's a lot of guys who's not as impressive in the playbook. But when they get on the field, it clicks. So I mean, I understand that. He's a playbook guy and understands all that kind of stuff. But why hasn't that, knowing all that stuff, why hasn't that translated in his play okay. game? And so here's a question then. If he's a guy who understands the passing game concepts, which clearly he does, mm-hmm. according to these NFL personnel people, okay, how in the world after a big win against Utah, literally one week later against Kentucky, after the game he says he's lost confidence, how does that even happen? How does that even happen? If you are that in control of what you're doing mentally and physically, how do you go from a game where everyone's talking about you're going to win the Heisman to I've lost confidence? That's, that's red flag there, too. <laughs> that's red flag, bro. You can't, you, that's red flag. Okay, let me First ask you off, this admit, one. Let me ask you this admitting one. that you've lost confidence just think, just, just, just think about this. Just think about Admitting defeat you don't do. Exactly. Correct me if just I'm wrong. Just think about this. Uh, San Diego playoff game. Trevor throws four picks. Yeah. He could have easily taken and went into the house. Yeah. But his mental, his mental mindset. Fortitude. Yeah. Toughness. Yeah. Toughness. Fortitude. Toughness. Getting it done. Putting that behind you. This guy was just, like you said, lit it up against Utah. And then the next week goes to Kentucky and just flounders. And then he says he's lost all confidence within two games. But could it be the system? I mean, could it be the yeah. system that wasn't that, that wasn't right for him? Is yeah, it, it, could it, could it be something as simple as that? It might be. It might be. Or is it just it's fourth and twelve and you throw fifty feet over the guy's head? It might be, but at some point, you know, players play the game. I, I can't get that out of my mind. I cannot get that fourth and twelve throw out of my mind because it's a throw that every quarterback can make. Ninety-nine percent of college quarterbacks make it. Seventy-nine mm-hmm. percent of high school quarterbacks make it. And he just sailed it. So, I, I, to me, it's just – did he not know what down it was? Which then starts – you start to wonder about game management. Mm. Did he just not – could he just not, you know, process it, whatever he was doing? That, to me, I'm like, whoa. And I know it's only one play. I get it. It's only one play. But it was a four-down play on the road against your rival. You're driving to tie the score, and you throw that ball. And, and I've never seen a player where they say either he's going to be a two-year bus or he's going to be an all-pro. I mean, that, that is a large disparity. Two-year bust, out the league, gone, perennial all-pro. I mean, they, they're not putting any wiggle room in the middle. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. That's crazy. In, that a, crazy. in a world where we exist in the gray areas, it's not black and white. It ha- there has to be some middle ground. Anthony mm-hmm. Richardson is the exception. Yes, it's going to be one is. or it's going to be the other. To your point about Lamar Jackson, Leon, apparently Anthony Richardson told reporters this morning that he models his game after Cam Newton and Lamar, saying he started calling himself Cam Jackson in the 11th grade, just trying to make big plays. Wow. Okay. Saying the right things. Yeah. Saying the right things. He's saying he's, the right I things. Mean, he's neither one of them, he, but, he, but he's, he's marrying himself off of those So he's guys. definitely neither one of them, but I will say this. If you're talking now, and believe me, I'm a guy who's saying that Cam, I truly believe that Cam might be the best player in college football in the modern era. That one season was unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. But when you watch him and his mechanics versus AR's mechanics, the way, the way AR throws and the way he frames himself and his release and how quick his release is and the velocity on his release, he throws it better than Cam. Mm-hmm. He looks the part more than Cam looked the part coming out of college. Mm-hmm. So, again, 
we're all talking about he looks the part. Will he play the part? What happens when he has to play the part? And mm-hmm. you're not going to see that from the throws at the Combine. You're not going to see that from the throws at his pro day. The only way you're going to see that is when he gets the pads on and it's hot as hell in July and camp rolls around and now it starts to be real. Now the bullets start flying, you know? Yeah. So you you got to take a chance. Yeah. And it, but, but, again, if he does what he's been doing now, somebody's going to take him high, maybe even one overall. Off the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures, courtesy of 9478. After the Utah game, scouts and agents were probably telling Anthony Richardson he was a top-five pick, Heisman candidate, dot, dot, dot. His confidence he lost was his willingness to run because of fear of injury. Nah, I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that at all. I'm, not, I'm just not. I mean, if, you, if, 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 if you're not running because the, the, the staff doesn't want you to run, which is what I've been told, is the staff didn't want him to run. Like on these zone reads, it was literally he's handing off no matter what. No matter what, he's handing off. There was one, one time, I can't remember what game it was. It might have been the Florida State game. He literally could have walked into the end zone and didn't because he was told to just hand off. They didn't want him to run. And they didn't want him to run because he had nothing behind him. And you saw that in the Las Vegas Bowl when Jack Miller comes out, and they're terrible. So I, I, I think it was more of he was put in this little box in Gainesville last year, and it's do this. And I'm not sure it fit with what he could do. Now, again, mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're a great player, if you're a number one overall pick or top ten pick, you adjust and you find a way to make it work. Mm-hmm. He did not adjust and it did not work. Mm-hmm. A couple others off the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures as we keep the Anthony Richardson conversation going. We'll get it to the Jaguars coming up in the 1 o'clock hour on the heels of the news from Pro Football Talk that we all kind of expected, but Shaq Griffin and the Jaguars expected to part ways. We will touch on that in a second. But to put a bow on Anthony Richardson and what many are expecting to be a Massive show at the NFL Combine tomorrow. This one is from 9200 who says, get Brunel on your show to point out that Anthony Richardson could not read a zone and the defenses knew it. How would we like to respond to this one, gentlemen? Well, I mean, it's... Because because we've heard some things when it comes to what Anthony Richardson was asked to do versus what Anthony Richardson wanted to do versus what the defense was presenting and how he was countering it. Well, he's not... I mean, he clearly knows what a zone is and what, what he needs to do. If he's on that whiteboard and he's crushing it right now. Now, is it in the game when it starts to get pressure? Was it because the pressure was around him and he crumbled and made bad decisions? Or was it like what you said, which is what I've heard, is he was told to do X instead of Y and Z. Do X. And if X isn't there, run. So, again, I, I, I don't know what he was told to do there. All I know is I've been told there were things that he couldn't do and things that he was supposed to do. Right, and it'll be very interesting when Graham Mertz is expected to do those things and does not have the skill set of Anthony Richardson, or does Billy Napier change the offense? Because I don't see him changing the offense for Graham Mertz. He may. may, I mean, he may have to at this point. He may have to. Or, you know, you're going to be six wins again and playing in the Las Vegas Bowl. (laughs) All right, any other quarterbacks catching your eye here at the NFL Scouting Combine this week? Again, they are meeting with the reporters assembled in Indianapolis right now. That includes, of course, one Stetson Bennett, who apparently was asked about not participating in the Senior Bowl, and the Georgia quarterback said, quote, he was actually closer to playing in the Shrine Bowl. Don't hear that one every day. So Somebody's going to take him. I, I, I think he's going to be like well, a seventh-round pick, and he will be – like they're getting ready – they're going to talk at the owners' meetings about adding the emergency quarterback again, which could mean a lot of jobs for people. 
So somebody's going to take him. You don't you don't <laughs> avoid a guy who's won back-to-back national titles who's got a little athleticism to him. He could throw the ball. His I mean his arm strength on a scale of one to ten, what about a five or six, maybe mm-hmm. six and a half. Yeah. But he's smart. He knows football. You know he can help well, you. Well, you remember a couple of years ago where we were concerned. We we said that Kyler Murray probably shouldn't do height and weight. Right. Uh, in the combine he did and whatever. And what about Bryce Young? I mean. Bryce Young's height and weight, is that going to alarm NFL scouts? Are they, are they already aware? They're aware that he's tiny. But then when you see tiny on paper, if he weighs in like 179, he's like five, what? Ten, ten and a half. Ten and a half. If he, if he weighs, if he's, one, he's, ten and a, if he's five, ten and a half, and he weighs in like 179, that does not look good on paper to any NFL team. So here's, even though – He's the most outstanding player, I think, in the college football over the last two years. So here's the thing with that is when Kyler Murray, he was like 5'9", what was he, like 185 or something, 190? He was 5'10", 190. 5'10", like 190. So, like so, yeah, yeah. so it's comparable. It's comparable, okay? 11, okay, go ahead. The difference is Kyler is a rock. That's what I'm saying, yes. When Bryce Young gets his shirt off, He's not a rock. He's not flexing. Anyway. No, he's not flexing on anybody. I know. I told you when that's I saw him at the combine, he was like, a, like he was walking to preschool class. That's <laughs> that's the difference. I think. I think it's is it's very easy to see that Kyler is built that way. And yes. Kyler, Kyler, though you don't want him to absorb punishment, he has the body to absorb punishment. Maybe not a lot, but enough. Whereas Bryce, you look at that body and you think that dude's one hit away from he's out for the season. So I think that's the issue. I don't think it's as much as the, the height and the weight, but how he's built. How much do you think they workshop the line? Respectfully, I've been this size my whole life. That's what she said. How long do we think we workshop that one? Uh, I do like this in all seriousness. This is courtesy of Jordan Schultz with regards to Bryce Young, who's been hearing that quote. Bryce Young has been sensational in draft meetings. Teams have been blown away by his ability on the board, which has included dissecting coverages that he hasn't yet played against. I, that, that's which is not a surprise to you or me, Matt, having talked to the kid before. No, but and I, I can, don't think I it's a surprise this. to anyone who's watched college football the last three years. This is, and this is what <laughs> Kyler Murray said as well. It's when he's saying he's been this size all his life. What he's saying is, I've always been undersized. I've always been the smallest guy in the field. And guess what? I've always been the best guy in the field. And I'm and I'm not injured. I find a way to protect my protect myself, which is what Kyler Murray told all the NFL guys. Which is, I can guarantee you is what Bryce Young is telling all these guys. Look, you're, if your big thing is ability, is ready, ready to play, you know, are you available? I don't miss games. I miss one game at Alabama. Yeah. I'm, you know, I, I, this is who I've been all my life, yeah. and I don't get hurt, sounds and I good. perform at a high level. Oh, yeah, sounds good. But no, unfo- I know that. unfortunately, where he's going to be picked, you, you're, you're there to pick where you're picking because you suck. Right. All right? The team, the O-line sucks. The running backs, receivers, everything. So, putting you, let's just say the Texans. Let's just throw it out there. Right. All right. Texans right. aren't that good. No, no, no. Say, right. the, say, the, say the Colts, Leon, because Jim Irsay has already tipped his cap that he well, likes that kid let's, from Alabama. Let's, let's, let's say the Colts. Yeah, but the Colts are line's better than the Texans. Yeah, line. but they struggled a lot last year. They, so the Texans they, have an all pro they, in Laramie Tunsil. They do it. have an all pro yeah. in Laramie Tunsil. But I'm just saying, that's one guy. You need, you need collectively a body of guards for Bryce Young. And I'm just saying a 6'6", 290-pound defensive end around the corner that blindsides him, he's going to annihilate him. I don't disagree with you, but 
Why, the, why didn't he get annihilated in college? Their offensive line was terrible. Do you really want that answer? They get. I mean, they hang on. They gave up. They get. I know that. No, no, I know that. I know that. But comparatively speaking, don't tell the SEC that they gave up. They don't. They don't want to hear that. He was sacked one seventy times last two years. Seventy, and they they gave up more than a hundred hundred and I think it was one hundred and fifty tackles for losses last year. So it's not like he was playing behind this great offensive line. I understand. That that was that was that was the same, and two of the thought. When Tua Tua came out of Alabama, you know what? He's been hit before, and what did happen last year? Four concussions. Yeah. Blindsided. Yeah. Wobbling off the field. Yeah. Okay. Also, also thicker than Bryce Young. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't disagree. So what's going to happen to this guy if that's happening to that guy? Well, I I mean, mean, listen. Each one of us could create something to support our argument. My, my only thing is I, I did not realize how tiny he really you could get was. Six, four, Have you two? seen the yeah. – pe- got to start tweeting out that picture of me, Matt, of myself I, I, and Bryce Young, 5'2", next to him. we gotta start, We got to start pumping it out because I agree with you. I agree with you because I think he is going to succeed if given the right situation in the National Football League. Uh, the same reason that Dan Orlovsky went on ESPN yesterday and said, quote, he has no pulse, no play is dead, the size can be a concern – the play is hard to replicate. I'm not going to compare him to the guy in KC, but he makes similar plays. I understand there's a difference between the college game and the National Football no, League. No, listen, I but think he's watch, been the best player in college football That's who he is. Years. He's just Absolutely too tiny. Good. If you're Bryce Young, you may want to fall. Yeah. Because then you don't get with one of those teams that can't protect you, that doesn't have any players. What if he falls like 18, 19? What are the Ravens picking? They're right around there, right? The Ravens? The Ravens are picking. Mm. Let me pull it up, I think. No, because they made the playoffs. He's not falling to 18, 19, bro. The Ravens? He's not falling to 10. Well, know. the Ravens don't have a. Uh, they don't? No, they do. They're, they're 23. Okay. So, I, I mean, if he falls, what if he falls to a team that's pretty good on the O line? Right? Listen, Nothing wrong with that. I don't, I don't question the kid's heart. And, and like I said, last two, years out of, and last two years of college football, if I had a Heisman vote, he'd get it. Even with Alabama, with two losses last year, in my opinion, he was the best college football player. Well, out there. The last two years, I did have eyes vote. In the last two years, I did vote for him. There it is. So there it is. There it was is. The best, he was the best player in the game. Yes. Bryce Young, close. Anthony Richardson, Stetson Bennett, oh, so many more quarterbacks will take the field tomorrow at the NFL Scouting Combine. We haven't even touched on the DBs who hit the field this afternoon. Coverage live on the NFL Network begins at 3 p.m. So we'll talk a little bit about those DBs, especially, again, on the heels of Mike Florio's report that the Jaguars will be moving on from Shaq Griffin. Not that that really surprises any of us, but what does that mean for the Jaguars and their secondary moving forward? We'll do that and a whole lot more coming up live. Live from the Adamac Harley-Davidson in St. Augustine, it is XL Primetime on a Big Hair Heavy Metal Friday. Make sure you keep those song suggestions coming on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. And make sure you stop on by, save hot, say hi, live music this weekend and next right here. It's right off of exit 318, I-95, St. Augustine Outlets, Adamac Harley-Davidson, foods, drinks, vendors, and a whole lot more. Oh, and uh, maybe you want to ride a Harley yourself. You can come out and do that this weekend and next. XL Primetime, protected by preferred roofing on 1010XL. A beautiful, big hair, heavy metal Friday coming at you live from the Adamac Harley-Davidson 
in St. Augustine where they will have food, drinks, vendors, oh so much more now through March 12th in honor of Bike Week, special Bike Week financing. And again, live music as well. Tonight's performer, Matt O'Reilly, a 2016 Blues Rock and Rock Hall. I keep wanting to say rock and roll. Blues Rock Hall of Fame inductee along with his wife as well, who is the youngest female in the Blues Rock Hall of Fame. Mio O'Brien, Matt Hazley on Cersei, Joe C off on PGA Tour duties. JJ LaSelva back at World Headquarters, and he is taking your song request for a Big Hair Heavy Metal Friday. So make sure you hit us up on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures at 641-1010. But we also have some other special music we need to play, don't we, JJ? Because, folks, we're celebrating a birthday here in the great state of Florida today. The state of Florida became a state on March 3rd, 1845. 178 years young today. All right. Yeah. Greatest state years. in the union. The greatest state in the union. 178 free years, baby. And mm. moving strong. I'm never leaving. Nope. You're going to have to you're gonna run get, me the hell of a... You're you going to get buried here. Damn skip too. Damn skip I was going to say, Leon, so you, how many years in Pittsburgh was it for you? It was what, five, uh, four? Four years in Pittsburgh. Uh, outside of those four years in Pennsylvania, have you lived outside the state of Florida? Well, I was born in D.C., so I moved to Orlando when I was 10. So I was raised, literally raised in Florida, basically. Otherwise, you ne never left. Yeah, what, yeah, exactly. Why would you leave? I'm never leaving. Why would you leave? Well, no. we love it here. One guy who may have to say goodbye, though, to the, his home state of Florida, Shaq Griffin. Jeremy Fowler of ESPN reporting that Griffin could be traded by the Jaguars or outright released. As Fowler explains, the move would save the Jaguars $13.1 million in cap space. But Shaq Griffin, former pro bowler, 27 years old, we saw what he could do in the, his first season in Jacksonville, but then we also saw him get lit up in five games this season before the mysterious back injury. Uh, the ghost of Jalen Ramsey, he who must not be named, came back out and apparently overtook the body of Shaq Griffin, and suddenly he had this back injury that kept him not only out for the rest of the season, but pretty much away from the team. I mean, at least in my personal estimation, being in the locker room when he was there, he wasn't around most of the guys. After yeah. the Jaguars, Leon, after they, they beat the Titans to win the AFC South and go to the playoffs, after the miraculous comeback against the Chargers, Cam Robinson on two, two crutches, Dewan Smoot on a scooter, Ben Barge hobbling around, they were everywhere. Mm -hmm. I didn't see Shaq Griffin. And that's yeah. not really his – his style is to be front and center. And yeah. so – I'm curious, you know, because Jeremy Fowler says he believes Griffin could be a key player in the cornerback market this offseason if the Jaguars part ways. Do you think he still has some years ahead of him in the National Football League? I could only go by what I saw, and, and, and what I saw was nothing. I mean, it was a train heist when he came to Jacksonville. We overspent for him to come <laughs> in first and foremost, all right, overspent. And then when we was on the field, he got lit up like a candle most of the time. So, I mean, I don't see any real trade value. Why would you trade? There's no trade value in him. And then he pulled his back. I never – in the history of the NFL, I've never known anybody that missed a whole season because of their back. Never. In the history. And I played in the NFL 11 years, and I've never seen it. So, I mean, he's, he's an anomaly, all right? He had a back injury that kept him out the whole NFL season outside when he was getting toasted. So, listen, good riddance to him. I ain't got nothing personal against him. He just, he just happened to get overpaid on the team that I love and, and endears, so he just needs to go. 
That's all. Ain't nothing personal. So the only one who nothing personal. No, no, nothing personal at all. I see. I think they can get something for him. You do? I do. I well, do. Especially because, because, by the way, I, just to not to interrupt you, but just to you know make sure we're we're showing both sides of the story here. Demetrius Harvey did speak with Shaq Griffin on locker cleanout day, and Griffin tried to explain to him as far as the actual injury. He said that his L5 or his fifth lumbar spine vertebrae had to be fixed in order to make a full recovery. He said little parts around it, they had to cut around it, a couple things they had to take out. It's something he was dealing with in training camp. Kind of hard to, quote, get into the season and try to get surgery when you really want to play. And I remember, Matt, we had Dr. Bari on and we talked about it, and he kind of was like, maybe that's not the right terminology because, to Leon's point, he didn't see missing the rest of the season as the diagnosis and the recovery time for such an injury. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to kind of side with Lee on this one. I mean, it's, I, I, I think it was clear he wasn't, he wasn't playing well, okay? I'm sure he was injured. There's no doubt he was injured. Playing well. It was only a matter of time before, look, they had to make a move. So I, I will say this. I still say a healthy Shaq, a healthy Shaq is a guy that can play zone coverage. So, and that's a premium position. You, look, you go quarterback, defensive end, quarterback, guys that get the quarterback, and then guys that cover. Those are the top three. So it's a premium position. That's why I think they can get something for him. And by something, I mean, if you can get a six-rounder, fine, perfect. No problem. They're also taking some of that cash. That's the key t- to me. They take some of that cash off your books. You get a six-rounder for him. Good luck. Have every, you know, hope everything goes well, Shaq. Hmm. But he's not going to be a Jaguar. No. I'm, no. I'm, oh, no. No, I'd be shocked if he was a Jaguar. That's, 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 how, that's how they're getting That's cap space. It's a lot. It's how mm-hmm. much is it? Fifteen. 13.1, 13.1 million dollars in cap space. Shaq Griffin currently slated to be a seventeen point one million dollar cap hit, eleven point five million dollar salary. So thirteen point one would be the number on the cap. Yeah, I mean you you've got to get rid of him. That's a lot of money. That's and you overpaid for him, so he got paid. He got his money. So you know, in a year and a half. In a year and a half. Yeah, basically. That's yeah. all right. I'm all right with that. So with no Shaq Griffin, then that obviously opens up the door for the conversation we've been having all week and knowing that they are going to be on the field this afternoon. DBs at the Combine. They'll be on-field workouts at 3 o'clock. Some of the measurements are starting to come in. Joey Porter Jr. is a name we've talked about a good amount on this show. These are sick, these measurements. Six foot two, 193 pounds. 10-inch hands, 34-inch arms, and 80 and 7-eighths-inch wingspan. Wow. 10-inch hands. 10-inch hands, bro. And 80 and 7-eighths wing. Wow, that's long, bro. For a DB, that's long. That's a guy that you can stick on the outside and say, okay. Yeah. You just take that side. Yeah, that's a, yeah exactly. That's the guy you put over there, you turn your back, and he's going to be a stud for the next 10 years. Mm. That's the same way you did with Ramsey. That's tempting about trading up, boy. I'll tell you what. Because, I mean, Trump all did talk about the possibility of trading back or trading up, right? Yep, mm-hmm. yep, absolutely. Boy, he said tempting. they're not afraid. Woo. Well, so, so let's, let's keep, stick a pin in that. That's also your long guy that you could just say, you got Kelsey. There's also <coughs> that. And there's yeah, also the question exactly. of what do you, so then do you run him in the nickel while Darius Williams plays out the duration of his contract yes. outside and then yeah. eventually you move him to the outside? Yeah, I would. I you would. could. You could also just stick him on the outside. Yeah. And then where do you and then you put Darius put back Darius in the back nickel inside. where, where he did struggle for fourteen weeks. But he also yeah. might play better if he's got two solid guys on the outside. 
And he's got two safeties that, again, especially one safety, Cisco, that's another year advanced as far as coverage. That's very true. And obviously, Rayshon Jenkins coming off of a career year as well. Some other measurements coming in on the DBs. Christian Gonzalez, six foot one, 197 pounds, nine and a half inch hands, 32 inch arms, 76 and 78 inch wings. He's a guy, Matt, that like suddenly. I know why Devon Witherspoon has really jumped, because no one was really watching Illinois football last year, with all due respect to the Illini. Um, so, sorry, no, Brett Bielema. Right. Love, lo- love you, Bert, but no one was really watching them. But Christian Gonzalez, where has he just thrived all of a sudden and just jumped up boards across the country? I mean, he's, he played well last year. Plus, he's a guy. Look, you read off. You read off his measurables. At the end of the day, if you have good tape and you've got good measurables, that's hard to ignore. The other guy, the safety at Illinois, Brown, Sidney Brown, another very yeah. good player. He's a guy the Jags, I think, should look for in the second or He's the third. He's a second or third round guy yeah. that's going to be a really good player in the league. You, the, the DBs, both corner and safety, are deep in this draft. And absolutely, with three of them coming out of Illinois, maybe people should have been watching Burton and the boys. Some other well, they one, had, like, the number two-ranked uh, Big Ten They defense. were in front. To, they were the front, the front runner to win the Big Ten West most of the way until they inexplicably just fell apart at the end of the season. Some other measurements. Devon Witherspoon, I think it's safe to say, obviously, he's going to be pretty much off the board by the time the Jaguars uh, pick. Probably. He's so, probably a top 18 guy. Yep, he's measuring in at 5'11", 181 pounds, 8 and 7 eighth inch hands, 31 and a fourth arm, 73 and 5 eighth wing. So he's actually on the smaller side compared to some of those other dudes. So maybe he isn't even bulky built. Brian Branch is a name out of Alabama. A lot of people have talked about could he fill that nickel spot. He comes in at 5'11", 190 pounds, 9.5-inch hands, 30 and 3-4-inch arms, 75 and a 4-inch wingspan. He's almost a safety right now. I've heard a lot of people saying he's a safety. Um, I guess he could play nickel, but there's a lot. I've talked to two different scouts, actually, that have said they think he's safety in the NFL, mm-hmm. which, which is interesting because he's, I mean, he's not that big. Which is not, also not interesting. That, not that you have to be like this big dude. Right to play safety, but he's not that big. But it's interesting because we had the discussion about Antonio Johnson not only being a name that I was told the Jaguars are interested in, but John Shipley was told by teams around the league that the Jaguars have interest in Antonio Johnson, who also plays the safety position but has nickel experience. So, Leon, in your estimation, with regards to this whole stopping Kelsey phenomenon, Mm -hmm. do we need to get away from that? Do we need to just accept that no one has stopped Kelsey over the past five, six years? No, no, we don't. I mean, as long as Patrick Mahomes and the read are together, and whatever components they have offensively, it's going to dominate the NFL. All right, it's going to do- so you've got to find a way to neutralize it. You're not going to stop it, but you've got to be able to find something that's going to contain that. And right now, what Kelsey Kelsey seems, seems to be the one component within that offense that is uncoverable. So you've got to find something, some kind of niche, some kind of player. Some, it's not going to be a scheme. You're going to have to find an athletic phenom. Because, listen, this team no longer is the dumpster fire that it was. We're pieces away from being serious contenders. And Kansas City and those Buffalo teams like Kansas City are in our way. We've got to put pieces together to find a way to stop the Chiefs. Do you think that that is, therefore, at 24? Like, is that, the, like, the most important thing the Jaguars have to address is filling that hole on the secondary that, in turn, stops Travis Kelsey? I, well, I think you have to choose how you want to attack the Chiefs. That's what you have to do. Mm-hmm. Do you think you can attack and get to Mahomes and force him into bad throws? Or do you think you're better off in coverage? Do you think you're better off trying to neutralize Kelsey, which has never been done? Mm-hmm. But then again, no one's got the Mahomes either, other than in the Super Bowl when both the tackles were hurt. Yeah. So 
And the Bucks' you, defense right. was, pl- was clicking very on good, all right. cylinders. So, yeah. so how do you want to attack them, I guess, is the best way to look at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with you. But n- not having an answer for either is not – No, there's no you, way to go into a season. You, you can't go into a season no. with not an answer for either. You're either going to have – you're either going to – you're either going to neutralize him with a DB to make him go the long haul and hope he makes a mistake in scoring, or you got to barrage him with uh, pressure defensive freaks yeah. that can keep pressure on him to where he can't throw the ball downfield. I want to throw one more name at you guys before we take our next break, and that is Keely Ringo out of Georgia. Uh, you Georgia fans that were on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures, you can come back now. Let's talk more about Georgia, and we're going to praise them because – I'm not sure why Keely Ringo is slipping down all these draft boards. This is a guy who can run. This is a guy who performed well in a national championship and had the game-sealing interception to win Georgia's first national title in 40-plus years. He performed well against Cedric Tillman and Jalen Hyatt of Tennessee, who were juggernauts at the time that Georgia faced them. He measured in today at six foot one, 207 pounds, 8.5-inch hands, 31-and-a-fourth-inch arms, 74-and-one-eighth-inch wingspan, 207 pounds, he told reporters yesterday he expects to run a sub 4 40 yard dash. And as a 100-meter and 200-meter state champion in high school, a lot of people believe he's going to do just that. So I'm going to tell you what scouts have told me. He's not a natural cover guy. He, it just doesn't, it do, he's not, it doesn't look natural for him. And, you, you know, you talked about Tennessee and Jalen Hyatt. Hendon Hooker missed three or four deep throws in that game that would have been, should have been, or I should say that he hit. In other games. Now, you can say that's because of the Georgia pressure. Whatever you want to say, he missed the throws. Those guys were open. So, so I, I think it's, it's a lot of they question whether he is really going to just be a safety at some point, which is not a bad thing. He's a big dude. He's a big guy. He's a physical guy. He's really physical corner. Or is he going to be a nickel guy? That's another thing. I, I think it's – and two different guys have told me this, that, that they, don't, they don't know that he's like a natural cover guy. Like some guys – you can tell their hips are fluid. They move easy. It's natural to them. He's not that type of guy. It's clunky sometimes. So all those names I just listed off, we just ran through. Christian Gonzalez, Devon Witherspoon, Joey Porter Jr., Keely Ringo, Brian Branch. Of all those names, if you're going to move up for one, like you can, there's only one of those guys that if they get past 12, you're moving up for. Who <laughs> is the guy you would move up for? God, Joey. Porter, yeah. Right. Porter, Porter. But now my question is, after these measurement, measurables and after what he's probably going to run in the 40 – is Joey Porter Jr. going to make it out of the top ten? Maybe not. Probably not. He's, he's going to be the first corner picked. Depends on who, you know, how badly does somebody need a corner. So I, I would think he'll be the first one chosen. And then you're looking at, all right, and if he's not, and you get to nine or ten, somebody might trade up to get him. There's a couple other names that could fall to the Jaguars in the second or third round at that nickel corner spot. I want to touch on those. And we also got a couple things from Matt from Saturday down south that I really want to touch on as well in Saturday tradition. So we'll do a little bit of the college ranks. We'll circle back to the NFL Combine and do a whole lot more on a Friday from X, Friday on XL Primetime Live from Adam at Carly Davidson in St. Augustine. Stop on by. We are here until 3 o'clock. They have special Bike Week financing. Again, Bike Week kicks off today, and it rolls, pun intended, through March 12th. It's prime time, rolling through hour number two here at Adamek. Harley Davidson, get off State Road 16, 
hang a left. Go about another, I don't know, quarter mile. Hang another left. It's right down there. Can't miss it. Can't miss it. Giant facility. Tons of bikes. It's bike with the beginning of bike week. And it's already a little bit nutty here. All right, we've been delving deep into the draft and the Jags. Um, I want to stay a little bit, little bit further now in the cornerback position because, again, what we spoke in the last segment is you got to find a way to attack the Chiefs. And you're either going to attack them by trying to pressure Patrick Mahomes, Leon, or try to cover better in the secondary. They've tried the pressure stuff. Didn't work. Mm -hmm. Got some pressure on him. Got some. Yeah, Got a little some. bit. A little bit. A little bit. Not enough, clearly. So I think you've got to then move to, okay, how do we affect them in the back end? So now you start looking at, all right, how do we get a guy? Do you, do you literally pick a guy with the idea of we need to stop Travis Kelsey? So do you then get a physical dude, a guy like Antonio jo uh, uh, Johnson at Texas A&M? You know, do you get like a Cam Smith from South Carolina, a really physical dude that can actually, you know, bow up with him a little bit? First of all, ain't no rookie coming in bowing up with nothing with Kelsey, all right? You, I mean, he's going to be able to run with him, but he's not going to bow him up. You're going to have to – listen, you're going to have to clamp Kelsey. That, that's the key. The key is that his route running is unorthodox, all right? Everybody says there's a route tree. Wide receivers have it, tight ends right. Kelsey kind of has his own thing going. I mean, he's, he's like a point guard, but then, you know, he's a point guard in the paint, but then he goes in the perimeter. And he finds the soft spots of his own, which is not easy. Nobody does that little half circle, back circle. Thank like him, you. Man. No, who does yeah. that? Yeah. All right. He, he said him and Mahomes just sometimes go out there and just and decide as they exactly. go. Exactly. So that's communication. That's relationship. These guys have been together so long. When they watch film, no, ain't no defense that, you, that they see they're not going to be familiar with. All right. They're going to be familiar with. And I'm sure they have these discussions when they had the film session. They say, okay, look at how they're playing it. Look at how they're clamping us. And Kelsey will say something, and Patrick will say something. And then when, it's like a marriage. When they get in the game, it's automatic. Some of the stuff that the Jaguars were trying to do, mixing and matching zone and right. man and all the other kind of stuff, right. they had already discussed what they were going to do. That's the reason why he had nine catches for over 100-something yards and a touchdown. So, then so, if you, I mean, so if you can't affect in the back end then, like you think, mm -hmm. then the only other answer is to get Mahomes. you got to get Mahomes, but it, they've already addressed that too. Listen, when Tampa Bay in that Super Bowl played that cover two defense and they just came out with a four-man front and their defensive tackles couldn't block, offensive linemen couldn't block them. The I mean, every, everybody thought, yeah, back up to everybody thought, okay, that was. That's how you do it. That's how you do it, all right? But then they addressed it. Then they addressed it. Then they get an Orlando Brown. Then they get a left guard. Then they get a right tackle. And they essentially de de refurbish their offensive line. Now, Patrick Mahomes already throws the ball quick enough, but then if he has protection, it makes it even worse. They said when Tyreek Hill left, oh, when Tyreek Hill right, left, right. it was like, oh, it's over. It's a wrap. You know, his long ball, uh, is, he had a better year this year than he ever had. Because he threw the ball more because they yes. just had all those short underneath routes. Because Joe Cowart's boy, Paco Pacheco, proved to actually be a pretty good receiving back more than they thought Clyde Edwards-Alaire would be because he was so hampered by injuries over the last few years. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that there's something to be said about adapting as you go, um, and, and that's where as much as we're saying right now you need to stop Kelsey, like it may be something else next year for all we know. 
And so that's where I think, you know, the Jaguars are really focused on themselves. And right now I think the biggest hole that they see is that gaping hole at that third corner spot. And whether it is you move Darius Williams back inside or you let him stay at his natural outside position, you draft a young rookie, they play the nickel, and eventually they move to the outside, or they move to safety if you get one of these hybrid safeties. Mm. Right now, that looks like it's the biggest gaping hole. And so that's why I did want to throw a couple (laughs) other names out at you guys before you leave. Um, More second, third-round potential for the Jaguars here if, let's say, Michael Mayer falls or Dalton Kincaid or a defensive lineman or somebody like that at number 24 or Nolan Smith, for all we know, and we continue to try to fit square pegs and circle holes. Um, Cam Smith, fringe first, second round out of South Carolina. Mm -hmm. Julius Brents, K-State, Iowa transfer originally. Emmanuel Forbes, Mississippi State. And then Clark Phillips out of Utah. You also, I'm going to throw this name out there just because, I'm going to throw two more names out there, actually. I'm going to throw out DJ Turner of Michigan because I know Matt is a little bit more familiar with him, and that's a name I've seen third, fourth round potentially to the Jaguars. And then also Tyreek Stevenson because someone on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures wants you to know, Leon. This is Eric. He is a first-time caller, long-time listener to primetime, and he wants your thoughts on Tyreek Stevenson out of Miami and then Will Mallory, the tight end out of the Providence School here in Jacksonville, but then was at the U. Uh, well... I'm going to just be quite honest with you. I didn't watch a lot of Miami football this year because they were terrible. <laughs> so for me to give you an assessment of what kind of talent they have down there, I'm going to hold my, uh, my, my evaluations for hopefully this year a better team. Listen, you know, you know what game where I stopped watching Miami football? Uh, Middle Tennessee. Yes, yes. That was a wrap after that. So, yes. for me, for, so for me to just come up with anything, I would be doing not only this guy, but the station of this service. I did not watch a lot of Miami Hurricanes football at the middle of Tennessee State. Of all those middle much. name guys then, Matt, that I just threw out before we send Leon off, since we won't talk I about like, the Canes. I mean, we're like we're going to defer. We're going to avoid yes, the Canes yes. talk. I like Cam Smith a lot. Cam, Cam Smith. I like Cam like. Smith a lot because, I, first of all, I, I love physical guys. He's a physical guy. I, I mean, I, I get it. You want a guy that can run. You want a guy that can chase. You want a guy that can make up lost ground. I get all that. I want a guy that can get your – his hands on him at the line of scrimmage, and immediately force him off his route. And I think that's what Cam Smith is. How about yeah. some of these other names that we've seen um, as far as Julius Brents, Emmanuel Forbes, Clark Phillips, any of those other names you think potential uh, in the second For- round? Forbes is a like rangy guy. He might be a first-rounder, actually. He, he's a really long guy. 79-inch wingspan, by yeah, the way. Yeah, really long guy. and he's, he's Julius Brents, 82 and 5 eighths, by yeah. the way. Yeah. Yeah. What school is he out of? Mississippi State. Mississippi State. So uh, – I, yeah, any of those guys, I think. I, I don't know how physical Emmanuel Forbes is going to be. That's the problem. So, I mean, again, I, that's why Jerry Porter is, so, is the number one guy, because he's a physical guy and because he's long. He's got both. And he can run. Get a man who can do both. Yeah. We got a guy we're who all can, three for that matter. We got a guy who can do it all, and that's Leon Searcy, and we're going to send him off into the weekend. Leon, yes. hanging, hanging around the AUG, or what's yeah, the plan? Yeah, you know, I'm going to hang on around the AUG a little bit. I just had me some tater tots and uh, – a grilled cheese, so I'm all set to go. Real cheese. Real cheese. What's yes. what's the real cheese? Huh? What's the real? What's the difference between fake and real that cheese? Grilled cheese. Oh, grilled cheese. Grilled I thought you said, cheese. I thought you said no, real. No, grilled cheese. Because that because whatever the cheese was that uh, engineer Richie just brought over, that looked real. Yeah. That looked real. That's why I thought you were referencing that. No, so. the grilled cheese was outstanding. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. Well, our appreciation to the people at Adam McCarley and oh, of course yeah. the food trucks and everything else here, and Leon, go enjoy the weekend. I shall. 
It's absolutely beautiful one. Uh, mm -hmm. The wind is kind of dying down a little bit, as you probably could tell over the duration of today's broadcast. The wind is not whipping quite as much, and the sun is shining, so stop on by. We are off of State Route 16, I-95, Adam at Carly-Davidson in St. Augustine. Again, Bike Week kicks off today. We're celebrating it with you. It goes through March 12th, live music every weekend, food, drinks, vendors, and a whole lot more. And, of course, you can also... Ride one of these bad boys. Test ride the latest models. The Harley-Davidson demo truck is on location today through Sunday, so stop on by and say hi. It's a big hair, heavy metal Friday on XL Primetime. Now this is the type of song suggestion we're looking for on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures on a big hair, heavy metal Friday live from the Adamac Harley-Davidson in St. Augustine. We're trying to get some heavy metal that's got a bit of a bike theme to it. So if you got a song out there about riding, about cruising down the road, be sure to hit us up, 641-1010 with your song suggestion. And we almost forgot Matt Hayes as we've already sent Leon Searcy off for the day. We are also giving away, I'm going to hand you the box so you can read it since it's a bit heavy because we have so many submissions. We're giving away some Welcome to Rockville tickets. You can tickets. enter, come by the uh, table here. We're, we're, we are live at the Adam Harley-Davidson in St. Augustine. Come by to get your chance to win a pair of VIP tickets to Welcome to Rockville. And that, of course, will be taking place in Daytona Beach, just down the road on I-95. May 18th through the 21. Love it. Love it. Bike Week is here, folks, now through March 12th, so be sure to stop on by Adam at Carly-Davidson and come by today so you can enter to win that prize pack. Let's pivot a little bit to the college game beyond the NFL Combine, Matt, because you have a great story right now up on Saturday Down South, and we're seeing, as you pointed out to me, a couple different, I don't want to say rumors, of potential permanent opponents, but we're seeing a couple different drafts, let's say, floating around the Internet right now. Set the record straight. What so, is all this drama? So it's, it's not just the SEC. It's the Big Ten as well. So you, you've got the two biggest conferences in college football. They're moving to 16 teams in 2024. They're starting e enormous media rights contracts in 2024 where they'll both be paid more than a billion a year annually. Okay? A billion a year to, to have these games, to promote these games. So... To, to televise the games, I should say. So there's now a little back and forth now with the media rights holders in the SEC's case, ESPN, in the Big Ten's case, Fox, NBC, and CBS. The media rights guys want the best games, as many as they can possibly get. The SEC and the Big Ten, meanwhile, want to be as fair as possible to all 16 teams and not load up on specific teams. But the media rights guys, they don't give a damn. They just spent. They just want good games. They're spending more than a billion annually, so they want good games. So they want Ohio State or USC every year. They want Michigan versus UCLA or Michigan versus USC. They want those games every single year, and Ohio State and Michigan don't. Um, Nick, uh, Ross Dellinger from Sports Illustrated, friend of the program, has a story out where Nick Saban's complaining about the potential Alabama games, which now looks like um, Tennessee, LSU, and Auburn. Um, I know this for a fact. Well, Florida, two of those teams could be in the playoff next yeah. year. Thought we'd, they, we might see them in the playoffs so this year. in the SEC right now, they wanted to get Texas to the east permanently. And there's only really two games that matter. So it was either going to be Georgia or Florida. And it didn't work out. And I also know that Florida, Florida did not want Oklahoma. But now it looks like Florida's three will be Georgia, Oklahoma, 
and South Carolina. So, again, this is – we're still, like, in the early processes right now. My guess is it will be done within the next two, three, four weeks, and they'll announce it probably prior to the spring meetings um, or at the spring meetings in Destin, which are, which, which are I believe, that would be uh, Memorial Day weekend. Yep. So, like, the May 30, June 1, June 2 time. Um, it, there's going to be problems. There's going to be people that are not happy. There's going to be a team like Alabama, a team like Florida – Florida's going to say, you're going to give us Georgia, Oklahoma, and South Carolina, and then Florida's going to look at, at Georgia. And Georgia's got Florida, Auburn, and Kentucky. So Florida right away is not going to be happy. Alabama also not going to be happy. Then Alabama's going to look at Tennessee. And Tennessee, in this, in this latest edition from Ross Dellinger, is Alabama, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt. That was the one I was thinking of. If you're Florida and you've got Georgia, Oklahoma, and South Carolina, and Tennessee has Vanderbilt, Alabama, and South Carolina, what are you thinking at that point? So it's – there's going – look, no one's going to be happy. No one is. Like, the SEC wanted – And for what it's worth, like, all we know – for all we know, Clark Lee's, you know, prophecy could come true, Matt. Yeah, Vanderbilt that's not, that's could be the true. best team in the country. So, I we mean, don't know that. The, the SEC is right now telling the rest of the teams, look, we're not happy. We wanted Texas in the East. And right now it looks like Texas, Texas A&M, and Arkansas, which are the natural rivals for them, is going to be Texas' uh, main three. So it, it's – you're at a point now where you've got to give and take – but more than anything, like the SEC can try as hard as they want to try and protect teams or help teams or be as fair as they want. But at the end of the day, with the new scheduling model, which is 3-6-6, and what that means is you will have three permanent opponents that you play every single year. One year you will play the six remaining opponents. The year after that you'll play the other six opponents. Then the third year you'll play all the way back because to the no first divisions, year. Because no right. divisions. Divisions are done. Right, divisions are done. The third year you'll return to the initial six and play the opposite of whether you played them road or, road or home, you'll just flip and play the opposite. So over four years, every player who plays at the SEC or the Big Ten, over four years will have played home and away at every SEC stadium. So that's the goal. The goal is you, each player gets to, gets to basically embrace and understand the traditions, the pageantry of what it's like to play at every stadium, okay? And if you every, stay four years. If you stay four years and – Everyone plays everyone. You're trying to get it as fair as possible. So no one is going to be, no one is going to be like, you can't get it completely fair, okay? There's going to be problems. But right now, there are issues. And right now, I, I, just, I have a story up on Saturday. Right, so now right let's now flip, about, flip it over to the Big Ten. About, I had a Big Ten AD tell me that there, the quote was, we're fighting about it right now. So they're not, they're not happy about it. And, and, and Ohio State's not happy about the, the reality that they're probably going to get USC because – how, because it's a good how, game. Yes, how if you're if Just you're like Fox, Florida, Georgia's a good game. And, if, and, you know, Florida and, well, I was going to say Kentucky, but uh, no, no more for that well, one. That, well, Florida, Georgia's a rivalry game. So they're, they're keeping the rivalry games, but they're also trying to create new rivalries. So their thought is, how could you not, if you're Fox and you're CBS and NBC, especially NBC, which has the Saturday night game, if you're NBC, you're saying, yeah, we have to have USC, Ohio State every year. It's not even a question. So Ohio State's not happy about that. I don't think Michigan's happy about it, that they're going to get USC or UCLA. But, you know, you've got to suck it up for the team at this point. Right, right. Who do they want? Penn State? I'm just kidding. No, but, but, but want- Ohio State's point is we've played Penn State now. They've been our rival. We're building a rivalry with them. Ohio State would be happy with Michigan, Penn State, and I don't know, Indiana, okay? Let, let's just say yeah, that. Yeah, you have a great line in here where you say, USC versus Indiana every year isn't going to get 4 million viewers. USC versus Michigan is every year. And that's the – the, the bar they're looking at, the television, the media rights people are looking at, is the 4 million game. When you hit that 4 million viewer mark, then it becomes a, a rare game, a mega game. And there's only so many programs 
that will reach that when they play nearly every time they play. Ohio State being one, you know, Michigan being one. You can go down the SEC as well. There's, um, Alabama obviously is one, LSU, uh, Georgia, Florida. The, the main blue buds of, the, of the each, each conference will hit those four million, 4 million games. They're trying to get more of them now. So now let's flip it to our favorite question. What does this mean for the three other Power Five conferences or soon to not be so powerful in the Pac-12, the Big 12, and the ACC? Well, the Pac-12, I don't see how they survive. That's number one. Uh, I, the Big Ten will eventually, I think, add definitely Oregon and Washington, and most likely Oregon, Washington, Stanford, and Cal. So at that point, then you're, you're taking the rest of the, the four corner schools, which would be the Arizona schools, Utah, and Colorado. They will then move to the Big 12, and the rest of that league will go merge into the Mountain West or something like that. I don't, I don't see the Pac-10 surviving right now because they don't have a deal right now. Um, they went to ESPN. This is what I was told. They went to ESPN and told ESPN they wanted $500 million, and ESPN laughed at them. They wanted $500 million annually, and ESPN literally laughed at them. And, and Brett McMurphy, friend of the program of Action Network, he reported last week that the Pac-12 was actually speaking to the Ion Network. The Ion. Imagine if your games were on the Ion Network. And then Stuart Mandel of The Athletic tried to say that wasn't so true. But there were some other networks. I mean, weren't they talking to Apple TV? And, like, there were a well, couple others. For, were. Well, first off, uh, nonetheless, I'm, I'm Nonetheless, go networks that were, yeah. And we, we're always going to go with our boy at the Action Network. Well, I'm, I'm going to go with the best I'm going to go with the best reporter in college football. So yes. he knows what he's talking about. I, I'm not worried about that, anything the Brett reports. So my guess is um, the Pac-12 is going to struggle. And if they get a deal, it's going to be with multiple, not only networks, whatever they are, but it's going to be multiple streamers as well. And you can't survive – in this college football world, if the Big Ten, the SEC, and the ACC, and even the Big 12, they're all on ESPN, NBC, CBS, and then you're on what? Ion, Apple, Amazon. It's not going to happen. They won't survive. Well, what, what will happen is the Big Ten will figure out either it will be Fox or it will be someone like Amazon will say, we're going to give you enough money to cover Oregon and Washington and maybe Stanford and Cal as well, right. and they'll move to the Big Ten. And then that will basically at some point the Pac-12 – will cease to exist. And then the interesting part for me, though, is that you specifically said that the other four corner schools would then go to the Big 12. Right. We'll go to the we Big thought 12. the Big 12, when Texas and Oklahoma left, that was the end, that the Big 12 was They got dying. their deal first. That's what, that, see, this is, Brent Yarnoff, the new commissioner, if you wanted to say anything about him, he was smart enough to realize, I've got to be first in line with this new deal because he knew ESPN is the guy he had to hook up with. Once ESPN has, those, has that content, they already have the SEC everywhere on Saturday. Once they have that content, they're not going to need the Pac-12. He was smart enough to get that deal. He saw forward, whereas George Klyovkov at the, at the Pac-12 was not like that. Now, again, Klyovkov was trying to keep his conference together because the Big, 20, Big Ten, again, is not going to stop where they are because they cannot leave USC and UCLA out there by themselves on the West Coast on an island and having to travel, like we talked about this last year, last week, their shortest travel trip is 1,600 miles to, to Nebraska. And then tw- the longest is 2,700 to Rutgers. You're not going to force their student athletes to do that week after week after week. And not just football, every sport. Yep. So they need more teams on the West Coast as travel partners. So that's why that's going to happen. And, and anyone who couldn't see that initially wasn't watching things. I know we said we're not going to talk Canes, but uh, the ACC? kind of just going to hang out by itself till 2036 when their I, I, media rights are up? Well, I they, they, the problem with Florida, and I understand Florida State's frustration and Clemson's. Like, they are the marquee teams in that league. And, and 
you know, majority of, of the television revenue, they had, I think it was 24% of their games are the games that made the money. Yet they, only, they, they share it with everybody. I understand that they're frustrated by it. But they have to break a, a grant of rights deal that everyone that I've talked to said it's, it's rock solid. Rock solid. One, one industry source told me if those things weren't rock solid, Texas and Oklahoma would have broken two years ago and gone to the SEC immediately. You can't break those things. So then you just got to say, all right, so then you got to pay the initial exit fee, which is going to be $120 million. Which is basically going to cancel out anything that you would make. And then, first off, you got to have a place who wants you. Let's just say the SEC wants them, okay? You go to the SEC until 2036, everything you make at the SEC is going to the ACC. None of that money is yours. It goes because the ACC has your rights. So that's until that gets broken, until that grant of rights gets broken legally, and I don't know how it will be, it could be mitigated down to, let's say, 70% of what it is. Even if you go to 70%, let's say they get... Let's say they get $70 million from the SEC, okay, annually. 70% of that's going to the ACC. So they're going to get 30% of what they would get. It's not, it, it's, not even, it's not even reasonable to think that that could happen. Now, what they could do is they could mitigate it down to, let's say, 60%. And if the SEC or the Big Ten is going to give them $100 million a year, right, then you're only making $40 million a year in the ACC. Right. So then it's a it's wash. It's comparable. It's a wash at that point. Then you give up the $60 million and you do what you got to do. JJ, are you worried about your, your beloved Canes, or is John Ruiz going to provide enough money to hold you all over till the rights No, I, I'm not worried. They'll, I mean, they'll continue to lose in the ACC. That's fine. I don't – I mean, to JJ's point, it's, it's – when you're talking about those type programs, Miami, Clemson, and Florida State, if you've got – Those are the three. If Let's you've no, got if, with a, all due respect to Duke and North Carolina, those are the three. Well, it's North Carolina's the fourth because North Carolina is, is good enough at football – that, they, that their attractiveness in basketball carries over. So, and they're also have, all, they're national championship programs in women's soccer and field hockey, too, because they do kind of transcend a little bit. We, we like to think those are important, but they're not. Yeah, so so um, I, I think it's if you have a mega booster like a John Ruiz who's going to build you a stadium, who's going to continue to keep your NIL coffers full, I don't think it matters what conference you're in. You're still going to get to the playoff. You're, you still can win big. You still can land recruits. Um, now, you're not going to have the money to, like, to build infrastructure around your student-athletes. But, again, if you've got John Ruiz, who's this billion-dollar booster, who cares? He's, your, he's basically your media rights guy. Now, at some point, it's going to dry up with him. But there are guys like that at those three schools that will give them money. It, you just don't know for how long. We won a national way, championship in the Big East. Miami did. It's a long time ago, bro. I'm just when saying, the, like it, before it before before television money great. before television money really entered even entered into the equation. I was gonna say the Big East football conference what ceased to exist in 2013, 2014. I know that that feels no. like yesterday, but in reality, it was a decade it was ago. At least that. No, that's yeah, my point. Earlier. We we won a national championship from a, one of the weakest conferences in America. If you're great, right, right, you're right. gonna still if go to great, the playoff. If you're great, you're great, right, right. If you're great, you're going especially with the 12 team playoff. They're gonna get in. There could be one, maybe even two teams from the ACC getting in. So it's not – I wouldn't worry about the idea of the, of the playoff. It's just – here's the thing. If and when college football moves to actual pay for play, that's when that's going to be a problem. Then you start talking about the money that the other schools can pay because they have the money and, the, and FSU, Miami, and Clemson can't. So then what do you do? Then you're literally talking about, okay, 
it's going to affect recruiting, which is going to affect the way you play, which is going to affect the way your chance of winning a championship. I know we said we're not going to talk Canes, but I I do want to get in the 2 o'clock hour to a story from last week. It kind of got a bow wrapped on it this week. And that is the women's basketball NIL John Ruiz drama. If you haven't heard this, this is the first real NIL sanctions that have been placed on an NCAA program. I do want to ask Matt his take on that. We'll circle circle back to the combine as well and do more. It is a Friday edition of XL Primetime live from the Adamac Harley-Davidson in St. Augustine. Big hair, heavy metal. You know where to hit us up at 641-1010 with those song suggestions. An hour to go. Be sure you stop on by and say hi. We're here till 3. It's a big hair, heavy metal Friday on XL Primetime. Who we got here on on, on the lovely uh, ones and twos? Some ZZ Top. Are they going to be? Are, are they going to be a Welcome to Rockville? Do we know? Are they a Welcome no. to Rockville? Not okay. Not this year. But we do have no. Welcome to Rockville tickets. You could enter to win here on a lovely big hair heavy metal Friday of XL Primetime. One more hour to go from the Adam at Harley Davidson in St. Augustine. Stop by, test drive one of their new models. Of course, it is bike week, so get in on the bike week financing and celebration. And you, you also know that ZZ Top and Pantera are not the same thing, right? Yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah, I all know. Right. <laughs> There's a lot of people Maybe. coming to welcome to Rockville. I can't keep them all straight. That's why I got you. <laughs> You're my music connoisseur. Uh. Matt Hayes, V.O. O'Brien, along with you for the next hour. Joe C. off on PGA Tour duties. Leon off for the day. J.J. LaSelva back in J.J.ville, keeping us uh, somewhat between the yellow lines. Yeah, well, um, I want a little shout-out to J.J. real quick. So, John Ruiz, um, Dan Levitard, who's – former ESPN personality. He has a, you know, a daily radio show now. He tweeted out, <laughs> he tweeted out uh, I think this was a day ago, two days ago. Yeah, this was, t- no, this, was this morning. This, this morning. was literally okay. this morning. Miami Hurricanes, NAL sugar daddy, John Ruiz, has had a long month. He got sued by the founder of LifeWallet, lost two other lawsuits, got Miami sanctioned by the NCAA for recruiting violations. We're going to get to that shortly. And filed a failed bar complaint against Ari Cohn for, quote, being too mean to him on Twitter. To which, to which the the Kane's sugar daddy responded to him on Twitter, and he responds to everybody, by the way, on on Twitter. That's just what he does. I don't know how he has a a, a law practice because he's on Twitter constantly. No matter what you say, you do. You have no credibility. This is what he's saying to to uh, Levitard. You attack everyone and do nothing for Miami. You consider yourself a reporter, report all the facts, just not the ones that are convenient for you. In other words, nothing you said was wrong, but I don't like the way you're being mean to me. And he actually went after Billy Gill, one of uh, one of Dan's pirate ship, right? Uh, the the ship part of the shipping container who actually runs the podcast that kind of focuses in on Miami at the Levitard Sports conglomerate down there. So the point, so why we brought this up is because go ahead, you can now you can get it. Yes. Yeah, so the Cavender twins, I believe I'm pronouncing their last name right. Yes. I've had a great week for pronunciations. If you're joining us for the first time this week, um, Haley and Hannah, who for what it's worth, Matt, when they were at San Jose State. When NIL first came onto the scene and so many people were excited about, well, you know, Bryce Young can be in a Dr. Pepper commercial now. He can make money off of his name, image, and likeness. There were a lot of people who looked around and said the female student athletes are actually who probably benefit the most from this and no one more than the two of them because of their very profitable TikTok and Instagram channels. They left San Jose State to go to Miami 
As part of their recruitment process, though, they had dinner with John Ruiz with their parents, and he tweeted out a picture of it, Matt. And that has now resulted in an NCAA violation. So why is that an NCAA violation? Uh, Katie Meyer, the head women's basketball coach at Miami, suspended for the first three games. The team is on a one-year probation. What does all this mean in the grand scheme of things? I don't know that it means much. I mean, until you get some kind of legitimate guardrails about around NIL, this stuff will happen all the time. And then it's just going to be a matter of if a guy's dumb enough to tweet it out, like John Ruiz does, was, or if, if you've got other people telling on other people, which has happened already, you know, then you're going to get the NCAA involved. But it, it, if, if you don't have teams turning in other teams, which is kind of like the unwritten rule of not doing it, because if you're doing it, why would you turn in someone else? Um, it's, y- y- they're not going to get their arms around it. That or, the, or you're going to get federal legislation. And I, just, I don't see how Congress can step in and do something with this because anything they do is going to in, in, infringe on the, on the players' rights to earn money off their name, image, and likeness. And I just don't the, – the Supreme Court was very clear 18 months ago that, that you cannot do that. So as po- Pat Ford of Sports Illustrated points out, the other part – 40. Of, 40, excuse me. As Pat, there we go. There's my pr- pronunciations again. As Pat Forty points out, the Cavender twins not penalized. No. Not Neither was John Ruiz, though. Only Katie Meyer, the head coach, was penalized. And that is kind of the nature of what the NCAA has said, that they are they're not. They're going after coaches, yeah. Right. They're not going to penalize the athletes themselves for NIL, at, uh, NIL adjacent infractions. It's, it's actually not even only the NIL. They're not going to go after players for just about anything. It's now all about the coaches. Because that's the best way to pressure the universities and the sports programs instead of pressuring Instead of pre- so, if you go after a coach and not the actual program, you're not impacting other student athletes who had nothing to do with it that are on that program. So you go after the coach. That's what they're doing right now, and that's what they're going to do for for pretty much most most of the violations, the by, major level one violations. By the way, uh, Miami women's basketball playing in the ACC quarterfinals later tonight. Um, really have come on strong of late. Shout out to Jacksonville's own my dog Jasmine Roberts, Bishop Kenny High School. Obviously, was a big, prolific basketball player here. Part of that Miami starting core with the Cavender Twins. Uh, so things are going okay on the basketball court. And yeah. Katie Meyer already served this three-game suspension, and now it's just coming out. And so now, of course, the question is, why is it coming out now? Could it potentially be there were other student-athletes that John Ruiz tweeted out pictures with? Well, if he did, they'd have already seen him. So I, I don't I – don't, I don't, we would have, have already seen that because they'd be on his Twitter line. But I, I don't think anything's going to – unless – Unless someone has something on them, literally like you know tangible stuff that you can hold, they're not going to go after anybody. You, it's it's very difficult because it's very difficult to be put in a situation of the fine line of you're walking the fine line of okay, it's the players that are earning this nil money. How are they getting aligned with this? And right now, what recently just happened with the state of Florida, where the state of Florida approved the state law that's allowing the universities to facilitate it. So now then do you say, okay, well, this happened a year ago and that law wasn't in effect? There's all kind of different things you could say. But it's, it's, unless it's something completely blatant, they're going to let it go. I want to hit the break early because I have gotten word that the Frangie Show has landed. They are in northeast Florida, back from Indianapolis. Hayes Carlion will be joining us coming up in the next segment. So we're going to make sure we get him on the line nice and early so we have a lot of time to assess the NFL scouting combine with the embedded and shredded. In case you can hear the music behind us, the live performances have begun here at the Adam at Carly Davidson in St. Augustine. We are right across from the St. Augustine outlets. That's exit 318 off I-95. 
Matt O'Reilly, 2016 Blues Rock Hall of Fame inductee, who's played with Bon Jovi, Bruce Springsteen. Uh, his playing partner has played with Smashing Pumpkins and more. They are performing live. They're going to have live music every weekend during Bike Week. So it's not just us you get to say hi to. There's right. some entertainment and a whole lot more. So stop on by and say hi again. Adam Eck, Harley Davidson, XL Primetime, rolling on until 3. It's a big hair, heavy metal Friday on XL Primetime. By special request, I'm I'm still surprised that this was the this is the song request. Silent Walt. Silent Walt up in New Jersey. That would be my father looking for some Judas Priest. It's he, impressive. Uh, he didn't stay up past 10:30 to text it into me, but he was able to get his song request in before we say goodbye at three o'clock and hand it off to the Frangie Show. So glad we could give him some big hair. Heavy Metal Friday. You can send your song selections, not just to uh, my personal telephone line if you have that, but also at 641-1010. But for now, speaking of phone lines, let's say hello to the Embedded and Shredded. One Hayes Carlion now back in the 904 after a four-day stay in the Indianapolis area. Good afternoon, Mr. Carlion. Are you awake? How many cups of coffee have we had? Are you ready to tackle the day? I am ready to attack this day with an enthusiasm <laughs> unknown to mankind. Second to none. And uh, I tell you what, Indianapolis is a great town, great city, but there's nothing like home. And uh, it is, we had a great time. We obviously, I hope people appreciated and enjoyed uh, the content. And But there's nothing better than uh, landing back in JAX and, and heading home, and even though it's a little overcast right now, there's no place in the world I'd rather be than Jacksonville, Florida. So um, fired up to be back, and, yeah, we're going to be at uh, Island Wings on uh, the south side location here in about uh, 40 minutes for the Franchi Show from 3 to 6. So uh, would love for people to come out and say hey to us. Caroline, you know it's the 178th birthday of this wonderful state. You know that, right? I saw that. I like that. That's very cool. Very cool. Well, look, I mean, this is – this is definitely the state that they're going to bury me in unless I guess I die on vacation or something. But um, but anyway, so. But thankfully you did make it back from Indiana right, right. and you have stories to tell us. So give us kind of a sum up of uh, some final thoughts and conversations you had with some folks on the ground in Indianapolis last night and knowing full well, Hayes, that the defensive backs are taking the field today. And that obviously is a position that many people believe the Jacksonville Jaguars could target at number 24. Yeah, I think if, if you know if, if you really get into the draft and you love the Jaguars, I think uh, you're about to see some appointment viewing later this afternoon because you know there's look there's a good chance that uh, the pick could be a corner or a defensive back, maybe you know Brian Branch, the talented safety, could help you maybe at nickel too. Um, you know there, there's a good chance that it's probably a better chance now that Nolan Smith turned in the combine he turned in. I mean, I'd love for him to be there at 24, but that sounds like. Uh, probably a little bit of uh of a dream now after that wonderful testing that he had yesterday and again he was fantastic at the podium as well he just seems like such a well-rounded player uh in terms of production uh leadership quality of, of his personality and then obviously that you know the, the speed was just unbelievable in the first so uh so nolan smith may be uh too rich at, at pick 24 which means uh you know corner could certainly uh, be elevated. So, yeah, it's going to be fun to see what uh, what some of these guys do. Cam Smith, Clark Phillips, uh, Joey Porter probably going to be there at 24, but uh, but we'll see. 
And uh, it, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, the Jaguars are in a great spot. They're going to get a – somebody's going to slide to 24 that nobody thought would be there. And uh, that's going to make for, uh, for a really fun night, I think, here in Jacksonville. All of the quality combine content from Hayes Carline, brought to you by Superior Fence and Rail, by the way. Carline, so we were talking earlier in the show, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Um, I, I, clearly, the Chiefs are what you're looking at right now. you got the, you got to go through them. So is it, is, it, is it a matter of attacking them from one of two ways? Either you pressure Mahomes or you cover better in the secondary. Do you see that as that's what you start to look at with the first pick? I think so, because it, it's really now a matter of you only need to generate one or two stops, you know, that you weren't getting before. So if you can find uh, the player that can help you, you know, do that, the biggest answers are the in-house answers. Trayvon Walker taking a huge step forward in year two. Devin Lloyd doing the same. You know, right. what kind of production can Chad Muma give uh, in what is likely to be, again, a rotational role? But he's a young player that shows some promise. And, uh, and, and look, they still have young, I mean, Tyson Campbell's only going into his third year. It feels like he's, you know, one of the, you know, the leaders that's been here forever, but he's still a very young player. So the, the biggest and. Did we lose Carl Lyon? 24 that can help oh, them get off is. the field. We lost you there briefly, Hayes. Can you repeat the last three sentences? Uh, yeah, I, I think that the answers need to come from in-house. Trayvon Walker, Chad Muma, Devin Lloyd, uh, Tyson Campbell, still a very young player. But but absolutely, pick 24, I think very strong chance that's going to be a pick devoted to beating the Kansas City Chiefs. And hopefully beating them here in the playoffs next year at TIA Bank Field, not having to go to Arrowhead. Hayes Carline joining us to sum up the NFL Combine, courtesy of Superior fence and rail. Hey, so if number 24 goes towards the secondary, we saw the pass rushers on the field. You alluded to Nolan Smith. Is there a guy that maybe falls to the second or third round, or is there even a guy that maybe is a late bloomer you get on day three that could contribute in either a rotational role or perhaps be a surprise? Because we know this team struggled in the sack department for much of last year. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. I, you know, to me, I like Foskey out of Notre Dame. Uh, you know, he could be there, I think, in the second round. Uh, maybe Derek Fall out of Auburn is there in the second round. Ideally, I think you go pass rush help in the first round and then coverage in the second round, but, but they may just not be able to do that because the player at, at corner or defensive back may just be so much better on their board. But, but yeah, I mean, it's, they're, they're fortunate in this spot. And I, I give them credit for the foresight because they knew they didn't love the receiver class, so you trade for Calvin Ridley. And they didn't like the free agent receiver class, so you trade for Calvin Ridley. Uh, the, their needs line up pretty well with the depth in the draft. You know, they need they the, probably the two biggest needs uh, with with Ingram back are corner and, and edge rush, or, or certainly pass rush. If you could find an interior defensive tackle that gives you that, that's fantastic. But that's hard at at the 24th pick, but um, yeah, I, I think the board stacks up really well for them to get immediate help in the, you know, probably as late as like the fourth round. Carlin, you are embedded and shredded. You're talking to everybody there. You're talking to personnel people. Who have you fallen in love with as far as players that is kind of an off-the-board type of guy that if he's still around by like, you know, the third, fourth round, you would love to see this team pick or a guy that you you can't wait to see in the NFL that you just think is going to be a great player? I'm looking forward. I didn't get a chance to 
to hear him talk, uh, you know, because the tight ends haven't met uh, or didn't meet with the media prior to us leaving. We just saw the defensive players. But there's some tight ends that I think could really be there in the third, fourth round. Uh, the Kraft kids uh, that played at, a, you know, a smaller school uh, in, in, in the South Dakota State. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, I think he could be somebody that's potentially there in the third round. Uh, but, I, I mean, I think tight end is, is a sweet spot in terms of finding somebody in the in the middle round that could really, really step in and, and you know, kind of learn by the first year. Probably doesn't have – probably isn't going to have amazing numbers if, if Evan can stay healthy again. But uh, but somebody – I mean, that's a position that, you know, they're going to need to invest a pick in. So, uh, it's again, it's, that's a spot that's loaded. So, it really is a draft that looks like it, it should really appeal – Trent Balky and Doug Peterson when they start to line up their boards. One other note, Hayes, um, and we can ask you as well for your thoughts because Evan Ingram obviously franchise tagged yesterday, and so as of this writing, he's only playing on a one-year deal. The hope is they can get a long-term deal done before July 17th. It'll be curious to see if they do so. But another comment that was made by Doug Peterson, and a couple people on our radio station have said if it put Snoop Connor on notice or not or if it was just Doug stating what we all know, which is, the Jaguars traded up in the fifth round last year to take Snoop Connor, and he played 12 offensive snaps. And they re-signed Jamichael Hasty in the last week. And so you fortify the offense, excuse me, you fortify the running back room by doing so. But have they put Snoop Connor on notice? Would you be surprised slash how early do you think they draft a running back in this April's NFL draft? I, I think it's a, it's a fascinating storyline. Uh, what they're going to do there, because Snoop Connor, I think, should be in a battle for his roster spot. Uh, you know, and, and I think he will be, depending on what they're able to do in the draft. I, I absolutely think that, you know, in terms of a fifth, sixth round pick, uh, why not? Why not try and find somebody that can really push Snoop Connor? Uh, again, a fifth round pick is not going to have any uh, guarantees of making the roster in their second year. And so, you know, hopefully Snoop Connor, you know, takes a big step forward. But if you're the Jaguars, you've got to prepare that he isn't, and you've got to be ready. Now, the good news at running back is the free agent class is super deep, and I'm not talking about the high-end running backs, but if you look at, like, the running backs that are, like, 16 through 22, um, I mean, there's a guy that they could sign that would be able to step in and fill a role and, you know, and, and I think do a, a decent job. But... Uh, you know, but that's a position that wears down quick. So, you know, I, I have no problem uh, drafting a running back on the final day of the draft and, you know, seeing what, what he can do. All right, dude, top-notch work for you from you and Frangie and Lauren Brooks. Um, before we let you get out of here, okay, there's a little info coming out about the SEC's three permanent teams and your oh, Gators. It looks like it's going to be Georgia, Oklahoma, and South Carolina. You happy about that? You happy about Actually, playing the Sooners every year? Okay, here's here's my thought on that. Obviously, Georgia was going to be one of them, so I'll look forward to seeing Florida lose to them for the next 20 years. Um, but that's not a surprise. Oklahoma is a total joke because they should have put Oklahoma with teams out west. No one cares about – I mean, it's, it's two great logos, uh, but oh, that's, that's a total joke that Florida got paired with Oklahoma. Not Florida beat Oklahoma. I'm not worried about that. Oklahoma has no idea what's in store for it. But uh, no idea, you know, no idea. But I, but, but I don't like them doing that. I would have loved to have seen Tennessee. That's a real shame. 
I would have loved to have seen the SEC correct their mistake from 20, 30 years ago and put Florida with Auburn. I would right. have loved to have seen it be Georgia, Auburn, and Tennessee. Um, but, not the uh, program, not Kentucky. Yeah, that's that's an ESPN game. You know that. The Florida-Oklahoma game, Oklahoma game is an ESPN game. ESPN wanted that. Yeah, I, and I, I get it. I mean, Florida had to go to College Station when Texas A&M joined the league, something that you know Georgia still hasn't done in the year 2023. But, uh, um, you know, so – but it's fine. I mean, it's, it's not ideal. I mean, Florida-South Carolina, that's a complete joke. But I guess that's just them, you know, not wanting to – you know, weigh it down too much. I think South Carolina is basically what they are now. I don't think there's I, – he's done a nice job. But to me, if you're doing a nice job at South Carolina, you're winning like eight or nine games. And right. if you're not doing well, a good job at South Carolina, you're winning like three or four. So South Carolina, if, if Billy Napier is the answer, South Carolina won't be a threat. Um, I don't think Oklahoma will be a major threat. But, he's you know, obviously Georgia's the big one, and it looks like uh, – you know, they're just stratospherically ahead of the Gators right now and probably for the next few years at least. Well, you're doing a very nice job, Hayes Carline. He's been up since God knows what time and still delivering the best knowledge in the game here on the First Coast, courtesy of Superior Fence and Rail. And you get him coming up at 3 o'clock for three more hours on the Frangie Show. Hayes, we appreciate you taking a couple minutes for us and great work at the Combine. Thank you guys so much for the kind words. Look forward to seeing you guys. There he goes, off to get his coconut shrimp, yes. his island wings. You can go check yes. out the Frangie show over in Bartram from 3 to 6 later on today. I Ooh. knew that would get him the Oklahoma thing. I just, just, it's so easy to like just poke Carline yeah. and just let him go. Well, man. the Gator fans in general, just like the Georgia fans, were loving poking on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures, which get back in that conversation, folks. 641-1010 if you have song suggestions on Big Hair Heavy Metal Friday. Uh, we got some – Tunes cranking here at the Adamac Harley Davidson. Live music. Bring your bike. If you want to buy a bike, they've got special bike week pricing. Stop by, say hi. I have a crazy story from the XFL for Matt Hayes when we return. We'll also circle back to the college ranks, too. This is XL Primetime on a Friday. It's a big hair, heavy metal Friday on XL Primetime. They're rocking out here at the Adamac Harley Davidson in St. Augustine. Live music has begun right across from the St. Augustine outlets off State Route 16 and I-95. We're with you till 3 o'clock here live before we hand it off to the Frangie Show, hard to believe, Matt Hayes, that after we leave here, yours truly headed to TPC for the players' big preview party so we can start getting a look at the, the preview lay, party. The lay, yeah, lay of the land, a little behind-the-scenes look. We'll have all that coming on the 1010XL social channels, myself and the rest of the multimedia team. So make sure you're following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the good stuff there. That's not what you say at the course. You know that, right? What? It's the lay of the lie. The lay of the lie. Yes. The lay of the lie. Well, Once you step on those grounds, it's not the lay of the land. The lay of the lie. Right. The lay good. Of the we'll lie. play it as it lies. That's for sure. Um, so the Players' Championship teeing off in less than a week. The PGA Tour currently down in the Big O at the Arnold Palmer Invitational at Bay Hill. Uh, have you looked at the leaderboard yet, Matt? I have not. Okay. Um, there are some familiar names in the top ten. I will say that. I don't think this first name you're going to be very familiar with who's currently holding a three-shot solo lead through two rounds. Okay. That is Kurt Kitayama. No idea. Kurt Kitayama, nine under through two rounds, shot a 68 today, 67 yesterday. 
Xander Shoffley, Corey Connors, and Cam Young tied for second at six under behind him. Lurking on the leaderboard, Jordan Smith is five under. He's through six holes today. Uh, Patrick Cantlay as well, five under. His round is already complete. Scotty Scheffler, JT, both sitting at four under. John Rahm at three under after shooting a four over, 76. I'm guessing that Kurt is not in next week's greatest field in golf. Ah, JJ, do we know that for sure? He's good. Is he? Yeah, he had a great year last year. Wow, okay. I stand corrected. He's just not a name that you'd be really familiar with, but perhaps he's a name that we should keep an eye on as we get ready for the Players' Championship. I kind of wish Joe C was, oh, no, 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 he's a good player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not on the (laughs) lift tour. Yeah, very good player, very good player. Uh, Speaking of uh, very good players, or maybe not, the XFL. We've talked a lot. Are you watching it or are you not? This is why I would watch it, for the drama. Make it like The Bachelor. Make it like a reality show for me. Quentin Dormady. Former Tennessee former quarterback. Former Tennessee quarterback, as Barstool Sports pointed out, um, quarterback of the worst Tennessee team arguably ever. Now the quarterback of the Orlando Guardians, or should I say former quarterback of the Orlando Guardians, because he allegedly gave an imposing team plays from the Guardians playbook. The team heard about it, investigated, and released Dormady. Officially, the only statement we have is that he's been released by the Guardians and the XFL is investigating the manor and looking to reinstate the player. So no one has actually come forward and said, this is why we released him. Oh, so I thought suddenly. he was temporarily reinstated until they, because they found more evidence, right? Isn't that what it says? Uh, let's double check it. The XFL statement said something like they researched it, found more evidence. Yes, here it is. Additional information on the situation was brought to the attention of the league overnight. <laughs> The league has reinstated the player while it conducts a formal investigation into the issue. The situation is under review, and we will share more details regarding the finding as appropriate. If I didn't know better, I'd almost think this is like a little ploy. To get people talking about I the mean, XFL I mean, like let's us? let's face it, The Rock is an actor, right? Yeah. I mean, just to at least get a little, drum up a little interest. Quentin Dormady is the heel. Who had that script coming? You pro wrestling fans. I'm not saying there. anything. All I'm saying is... If no one's watching your product, you've got to do something, right? Right, and that's the question is how many people are going to be watching it? Thank you, JJ. Um, because now, you know, we asked Leon, and we forgot to ask him on the air, but he said he's going to be watching the Combine tomorrow. He's going to be watching the quarterbacks. Why am I always a conspiracy we, guy? We know way? he's watching the offensive lineman. No, I'm the one who's usually asking for JJ to cue up the conspiracy music, the X-Files music. Um, are people going to watch the XFL? And I, I had that conversation with a buddy of mine who, you know, formerly worked in the Orlando area, and he feels this affinity to the Guardians for that reason. But so many of these XFL teams, Matt, play in NFL markets. What affi- affinity does a Houston Texans fan have to a Houston XFL team or a USFL none. team? I mean, none. 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 They have, Houston, they have more f- affinity for the Houston Cougars than they do the XFL. And speaking of the Houston Cougars, before we go to a break, before we, yeah. before we fin- finish this final segment and welcome in the Frandy Show, I want to go back up real quick. Ross Dellinger from Sports Illustrated yes. has a list of, of uh, from the people he's spoken to, what he believes the, the permanent three for all SEC schools will be. So I'm just going to give you the highlights because I'm sure there's a lot of SEC fans in our listening audience. We know that. A lot of different – from a lot of different SEC programs. So right now, this is what Ross Dellinger has. Texas A&M's three would be LSU, Texas – and Mississippi State, Texas, their three would be Oklahoma, Texas A&M, and Arkansas. Oklahoma's would be Texas, Florida, and Missouri. LSU would be Texas A&M, Alabama, and Ole Miss. Uh, Alabama would be Auburn, Tennessee, and LSU. Auburn would be Alabama, Georgia, and Vanderbilt. 
Tennessee would be Vanderbilt, South Carolina, and Alabama. And, of course, Georgia and Florida. Georgia will be Auburn, Florida, and Kentucky. Georgia gets the program. Florida will be Georgia, Oklahoma, and South Carolina. There's going to be some unhappy people there. There's no doubt about that. I mean, that if, if you're – even if you're Georgia, I mean, Georgia, they keep their two big rivals in Florida and Auburn. But if you're Georgia and you see that, then you see Tennessee with – I mean, Tennessee gets Alabama because it's their rival. Right. But you're looking at Vanderbilt and South Carolina with Tennessee. Now, the SEC says they went 10 years back and looked at a 10-year stretch of how teams played, how they, how they had been the previous 10 years when they started deciding this stuff. Um. And that's kind of a little bit deceptive because now Tennessee is suddenly a much better program. Right. right? And don't forget, and this is all without divisions. Yeah. That's it's, the other part. It's all one division. And, and Texas A&M, you know, forget about what happened last year, is now a better team. In theory. Oklahoma, despite last year's drop-off after year one with, with Lincoln Riley, is an elite program of college football, not just the Big 12. So Florida getting Oklahoma is a big – I mean, that's – I understand, and I was told this numerous times in the last probably three months, that they wanted either Texas or Oklahoma to go east. And they were going to play either Florida or Georgia. Those were the four teams they were trying to match up. And it ended up being Florida and Oklahoma that got the final, the final connection. But it's, And that's what ESPN wanted. So it's, there are going to be teams that are happy, and there are going to be teams like Alabama. Nick Saban's already publicly come out and said he's not happy about it. My guess would be Billy Neighbor, who doesn't really say anything negative, might say something about it. Um, it's it's a it's interesting. It's an interesting spot for those two to be in. Even, I mean, even let me look at Texas A and M. Look at Texas for that matter too. Texas, Oklahoma, Texas A and M, and Arkansas. Texas A and M. We got to get a break here. LSU, Texas, Mississippi State. One team I know is particularly happy to be back home is the Frangie Show. We say hi to them next on a Friday edition of XL Primetime. Now the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Keeping the rubber on the road with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. Lauren Brooks joining us now. The Frangie Show is at the Southside Island Wings, not the Bartram Island Wings. We misspoke when we had Hayes Carlion on earlier. Uh, Lauren, has Hayes arrived at the correct Island Wings location? We didn't veer him (laughs) off to the wrong location, right? No, you did not. He knew exactly where to come, and uh, yes, he's already been here for a while at Island Wing Southside, our home away from home. Excellent, and I know you guys will be loaded up on coconut shrimp. What else we got cooking as you guys make your return from Indianapolis? That's right. Last night, shrimp cocktail. Today, coconut shrimp, so it flows right. beautifully. Jared, right. Yes, that's right. Jared <laughs> Rice will join us at 340 to talk, of course, nothing but players as it is upon us finally. I feel like we've been waiting for a while talking about how good the weather is going to be. Taylor Dahl is going to check in from the players' preview party, so that should be a ton of fun. And then Mike Fleming from Firewatch stops by to discuss the military job fair tomorrow. And, of course, we'll let you hear from Doug Peterson and Trimbalki. All right, quickly before you go, I've never understood yeah. the whole shrimp cocktail thing with Indianapolis. Why would okay. anybody buy shrimp in middle <laughs> America? I don't, I don't understand it. Matt, I thought the same thing, too, and I don't know the answer other than it must be just a thing that they came up with years ago. And I will tell you, the shrimp is huge there, and their cocktail sauce is excellent. I know you like spicy like I do. The blend of horseradish that they put in their cocktail sauce, it is literally perfect. I wish all cocktail sauce was the same as a shrimp cocktail in Indianapolis. Apparently Indian, they Indian. were. Uh, apparently they've, they've never been to Mayport. Uh, right, <laughs> that that's one. But two, apparently they were serving some for breakfast yesterday in the convention center. Matt Hayes. Not surprising. 
Yeah, you wouldn't have co shrimp cocktail no. for breakfast. Did you, did you have it for breakfast, no. Lauren? I did not. Uh, truth be told, all I saw were box sandwiches the whole time we were there. I, I certainly never saw anything like a delicacy like that. And, and of course, Matt, I've had Mayport shrimp. Uh, but these are just, I don't know where they come from, but certainly not Indianapolis, that's for sure. Well, we look forward to the coconut shrimp that's going to be served up at Island Wings in addition to tremendous sports takes on the Frangie Show coming up from 3 to 6 right here on the Superstation. Have a great show, Lauren, and have a great weekend. All right, thanks so much. Right back at you. All right, there she goes, Lauren Brooks in the Frangie Show coming at you right here on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Matt Hayes, I asked Leon, so I'll ask you, will you be watching Anthony no. Richardson, NFL no. Combine, no, any NFL Combine. Too much other stuff to do. No. It's too beautiful outside. It's too beautiful. It's gorgeous right now. The wind is a little whipping, but that's all right. Yeah, go enjoy if, it. If I'm watching guys throw footballs in the Combine, I got I got to find something else to do. Hey, there is No a offense to Leon. I'm sure Leon's in. There is a chance yeah. of rain tomorrow. Maybe if you get a little rain delay right. out there, you go right. and you watch a little bit. All right, that does it for XL Primetime Live from the Adamek Harley-Davidson in St. Augustine. Our thanks to the good folks here. Just said hello to John, who, of course, is a nooner and a Helmets and Heels listener. We appreciate everybody down here in the Og Dog for always listening to 1010XL 92.5 FM. They have live music both weekends of Bike Week, which officially begins today. Make sure you stop on by, check out their special Bike Week financing, and, of course, trying to test drive one of their brand-new models. For Leon Searcy, for Matt Hayes, for J.J. LaSalva, back at 1010XL World Headquarters, I am Mia O'Brien, as we do on every Big Hair Heavy Metal Friday. We leave you with our anthem and, of course, our guy, Big John Henderson. J.J., take it away. We'll catch you next week. Come on, Joe. That is good enough. You got to suck the blood out my mouth. Let's go, baby. Woo!